Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, gang? Let's do this. Welcome to uh, another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets' final road game of the season tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes. Before they get back on a plane to Winnipeg for the final time this season for four remaining home games before the end of the regular season and 16 other NHL squads begin the quest to compete for the Stanley Cup. But we're going to have a great show today. Uh, we will absolutely talk Jets. And of note this morning, we did hear from Captain Blake Wheeler, who um, spoke, geez, for quite a while. We've got some clips coming up, Remus, and I will talk about that right away. Um, and we'll also uh, look forward to having Brandon Wiki on the program uh, a little bit later on in the 2 o'clock hour with his thoughts on the Jets going down this final stretch, as well as some of the other big stories around the National Hockey League, including the remaining playoff race that still exists, of course, in the Western Conference. Um, but listen, we got the ice playoffs beginning on the weekend. And a couple weeks after that, the Manitoba Moose have booked their ticket to the Calder Cup playoffs. And uh, it's been a while, but I'm looking forward to welcoming in the Gus Bus himself, David Gustafson, with the Manitoba Moose on the program. He will join us as well. And our first guest today, uh, some great, great news for Gold Eyes fans, baseball fans. People that just love going to the ballpark in the summer. Andrew Collier, the general manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, on a uh, pretty groundbreaking deal that they announced today involving all local beers at the ballpark, as well as a bunch of other exciting things coming up for the season. So <clears throat> Andrew Collier, join us in about 20 minutes or so. David Gustafson, more Jets talk with Brandon Rewicki, and much more over the course of these next three hours. Great to have you with us. If you're with us on YouTube, do us a favor, make sure that you've hit that red subscribe button and uh, give us a thumbs up. And for all of you folks listening on a podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. If you do ever have the opportunity to get on Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star rating and a little review. Always helps us spread the channel as well. Um, and no one helps us out more than uh, the great folks that support this program. A big shout out to our sponsors, including Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partner over at Cool Bet Canada. All right, so Collier, Gus Bus, Rewiki, going to be a packed show, but let's get this thing going with Michael Remus. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Us, I'm doing good. I'm looking ahead to uh, tonight's slate of NHL games. A lot of stuff happening last night. But uh, I do believe uh, it is official now, according to uh, Micah Blake McCurdy on Twitter, who's done the calculation that the Jets have been eliminated only because um, Dallas and Vegas do play each other in one of their games. So disappointing end to the season, but we've kind of been, you know, watching the percentages dwindle. This isn't over news. the last couple weeks. This, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not news, but we can put the official. Nail. I don't should get my hammer. I think it's uh, it's behind me. I should get the nail <laughs> in the coffin. It was like pretty much like needed one more one more stroke there to just bash it in there. But we're... yeah, just a couple more shovels of dirt, and that happened yeah. last night without the Jets actually playing. But um, I mean, we knew. I mean, even over the last couple of days, not that we were seriously talking about it, but it was funny no. to see the team had a zero percent chance, and yet still was technically not eliminated. Seems like that's happened last night. Um, and of course, four more, five more games for the season. One more on the road tonight. 
Listen, I want to get to Blake Wheeler in a minute. Uh, and we'll certainly talk about it with Brandon Wiki when he comes on a little bit later on. Uh, but let's talk about what Coach Dave Lowry had to say first and foremost, Remus. Um, Logan Stanley's out tonight. Dylan Sandberg's in. Uh, but it was interesting that with the finality around the club, Dave Lowry's basically said that these are the guys that he's going for through the rest of the season. So for many of you, and I know we talked about this with Marat, who you know felt that this was an opportunity for some younger players to get their feet wet, get a little bit of experience, whether it be a reward, whether it be preparation going forward. Um, at least from the lips of the coach today, it doesn't sound like that's happening anytime soon, including these final four games on a home ice. And I'm sure that'll... You know, it will beg some questions as to what are they hoping to get out of these final five games. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think most of us are already into 2022-2023 mode and discussing the upcoming offseason and the upcoming season. Although there certainly is an argument to be made that, you know, maybe some younger players that haven't been in the lineup could benefit from a taste of the National Hockey League in these final five games. But uh as far as Dave Lowry had to say, and it is interesting. I'm not really too sure what the thought process is behind it, but it doesn't look like that's coming down the pipe. Yeah, I mean, they're putting in um, Sandberg tonight and head of Stanley. It just seems like Stanley's, whenever there's a goal against, you know, you're kind of looking at him uh, often when he's been on lately. It's been a tough stretch here. Sandberg's he's had a rough well. season. I yeah. mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I thought that he played really well last year. I mean, it was one of the first hot takes on this show that actually got some traction last year, you know, early on in the, uh, in mm. the birth of Winnipeg sports talk, talking about Logan Stanley. And, you know, I'd said, listen, with the way things are going right now, I think that he's going to get protected in the expansion draft. And he did. Um, but it's pretty hard not to look at the, the season that he's had and think that there has been, well, never mind a real lack of progress, but in some cases, a bit of a step back. He's been given plenty of opportunity. There's no doubt about it. And when you look at the younger players, there's two guys that were given opportunities that maybe many others weren't. Logan Stanley was one of them. Christian Veselainen was the other. Christian Veselainen's in with the Manitoba Moose right now, and Logan Stanley's in the press box. Certainly, this entire season isn't about those two players, um, but I'm sure there are some other younger players in the organization somewhat envious of the run that those players got, uh, and it doesn't look like anything's changing over the course of the next five. Yeah, we, so the four lines, same as last game. Sanford up on the second line with Dubois and Wheeler, Connor, Stasny, Ehlers, line one, Morgan Barron playing with Lowry and Appleton, uh, Harkins, Tony Naros, Fetchnikov, and then uh, you mentioned Morrissey, DeMello, Schmidt, Pionk, Sandberg, Dell. Now, they didn't do actual line rushes. I just kind of what they did last game, and I just put Sandberg in. Goalies, Connor Hellebuck had the non-COVID illness. He skated this morning, but he won't be playing uh, Eric Comrie. He's getting the start again. Two games in a row for, for comms. Us and uh, Mikhail Burden, he's going to be backing up uh, Scott Billick, tweeting that one out. So there we go. Lineup tonight against uh, Carolina Hurricanes first place. I mean, this is going to be, this is, gonna be this is a tough stretch of games here uh, for the Jets here. You know, Colorado, you played the, played the Rangers, Carolina, uh, Calgary's coming up. This is, this is a tough stretch of teams here for the Jets who just got officially eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've been looking at this road trip for a long time, knowing the position the Jets were in. And I mean, this is dating back to a couple months ago where you know, you're going to need to bring yourself up to a level where you were in it and then go up against an absolute meat grinder of a road trip against some of the top teams. Now, you know, obviously it didn't end up mattering much because the team was essentially out of it when they got on the plane. 
Um, but you, I mean, you do wonder. Um, heck, the bottom line is, you know, putting your season in the hands of being able to go on the road and beat teams like this probably wasn't, uh, well, the way they drew it up to begin with either way. Uh, all that being said, I, I love Carolina. I love the way they play. I love the job Rob Brindamore's done. I think they're one of the most complete, deepest team in the leagues, uh, deepest teams in the league right now. I think they're definitely going to be a contender in a very stacked East uh, when the playoffs get going. So we will get a chance to see them tonight. Um, and I'll tell you what, Remus, maybe one of the most eye-opening games of the entire season was when the Carolina Hurricanes came to Winnipeg earlier this year um, and absolutely dominated the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, that was the game I remember talking to you on this program afterwards about you know, the Jets having almost no possession in the offensive zone outside of about three feet from the boards. I mean, the Canes dominated the neutral zone. They dominated the four check and the Jets got absolutely nothing going. And now that's been a big part of their success so far this season. So we get another chance to see what one of the good teams in the league are doing and how they're doing it tonight against the Winnipeg Jets before the team gets back here for four more at home. Yeah, you mentioned the Jets against Carolina. I mean, you look at the season, the Jets against any of these top teams, Colorado, Calgary, uh, Minnesota, Toronto, Florida. Uh, it's been a parade of goals in the back of the Jets net. Um, you know, they played Florida twice, allowed five and six goals. The Avs put up six and seven. Minnesota's put up six and seven. The Leafs uh, put up seven. So when they've played the elite of the elite teams, um, sorry, yeah, Colorado scored five, six, and seven goals against the Jets. So it's been, you know, the Jets, um, there was a 4 2 loss uh, to Carolina back in December. But I think you said the score may uh, seem yeah. further apart, further, much further apart than that. And when the Jets have played these elite teams, it hasn't gone gone very well. They did play well against Colorado, you know, a couple weeks ago at home. But uh, I mean, they needed to do that in the other games as well. And so I'm curious how it's going to be uh, tonight with the Jets out of the playoffs, and you know, see how I think they're playing. Wheeler spoke about how they need to approach uh, the last five games in his candid comments first time we've heard from him in a bit yeah well i mean let's get to that um you know as a we spoke yesterday I mean, we hadn't heard a lot from blake um over the course of the last you know month or so i mean there had been a couple of occasions i mean to be honest i mean the you know, the memorable ones were talking with jeff hamilton and in, in arizona um as well as some of the comments when the things were going well right out of the i believe the all-star break um, and listen i kind of mentioned this yesterday when we were talking with murat and 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 speaking about the uh you know the Part of the story that Josh Morrissey told about, um, you know, the way Blake was there for him after that final game last season. And, you know, I think it really put a human side of it. But I mean, there's been a human side of the Winnipeg Jets in their postgame comments over the last three games or so. And I know we were speaking off air before the show, Reem. I mean, you know, the 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 media availabilities right now, to be honest, are, I think are more telling than the, what the games are. I mean, I don't know how much we're going to get out of these games the rest of the way. Um, but certainly, as we'll hear from the captain, the way this team plays in front of the home fans for the final four games of the season, I think, will matter. Uh, but it's also mattered the way these players are sort of owning the disappointment of this season. But um, no one more than the guy that wears the C on the chest. And, um, you know, we hadn't heard from Blake for a little while, and he did meet the media today before the game. We've got some interesting clips from Blake. Um, let's start off with, uh, I mean, he just spoke to the disappointment of missing the playoffs this season. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it before the year, like, be careful of what the word expectations mean, you know, like, uh, there have been years in the past where the expectations were really low and we had really good teams and, you know, we're competing for championships and 
you know, this year seemed like uh, expectations were high, and um, you know, we we've obviously fallen uh, well short of those. So, um, it's the best part of the year to be a hockey player, except for if you're in our shoes, and it's the worst. So it's uh, it's it's really disappointing. You know, it's there's there's uh, it's hard to put in words the feeling, um, you know, what it feels like, but. Uh, you know, it just feels like we're kind of back to square one. Um, you know, built built so long to get to a championship level, and then you know, sitting here is pretty deflating. And what are some of the keys to kind of getting back to that winning culture, and where winning becomes a little bit more of a regular occurrence for you guys? Uh, uh you know what? It's uh, probably nothing I care to share publicly. Um, you know, I think the off season will. You know, be critical to having some some conversations and and uh, and uh, you know traveling down that road. But for now, I think it's just a matter of you know finishing the year with uh, uh, you know the right way and and, and playing hard. And um, obviously, we're gonna have four you know four home games in front of our fans. So you know, showing them that we're still in the fight and we're still you know playing hard for them and. Um, you know, so we can end uh, with, with some some self-respect. All right, interesting line there at the end. I mean, uh, ending with some self-respect. I mean, I think it just speaks to, you know, the, the despair, I think. And, you know, this is not anything new. I mean, we've been discussing it for well, a long time, but especially this final week, uh, you know, coming out of this road trip with what we heard from some of the other members of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Wheeler was also asked by the media about his thoughts on, um, you know, where they've fallen to, but can they get back next season? that you guys can, can quickly get back to where you want to be, that this doesn't have to be a long, painful process that, you know, as early as next season to kind of climb that mountain again. Well, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the idea, you know, is to regain the form that we had that made us, you know, a contender. And um, I don't think it's a matter of snapping your fingers, but, you know, I think – in large part, we have a group of really good hockey players. It's just how do you make that turn? How do you fit that into a good team? You know, and that's that's our challenge. Go next to Scott Bellick from the Winnipeg Sun. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Morning, Blake. What, what's missing, Blake? Then, like, I mean, you do, like you said, there you you do have those the talent, I suppose, and, and all of that, but it is not fitting together. Well, what is it going to take, and what, what's missing, or what what's your view on that? Like I said before, I think my feelings are potentially a little bit raw right now and maybe not that well thought out. So, you know, just going in a public forum and exposing that to the world, I don't think is necessarily fair right now. Um, you know, I think uh, it, it's something that, that's going to take some some thought, you know, and some deliberation and um, coming up with the answer, you know, because like I said, uh, you know, my view may not be even even correct. You know, it may not fit to what uh, you know the organization thinks or what what the team thinks. So, um, certainly, there's obviously steps that need to be taken and some things that that we can we can improve on. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting where we are. All right. So there's a little bit more from Blake Wheeler today in Carolina before tonight's road finale for the Winnipeg Jets and. Uh, you know, Reem, interesting to hear him. And, and, and listen, I I have to I mean, listen. You, you want to hear honest comments, uh, but at the same time, I think there is something to be said for the captain. Um, 
maybe not you know diving into the full plan for rebuilding the hockey club before a uh, a game here i mean i'm sure he'll have more to say you know come the final garbage bag day whatever you want to call it after the final game of the season uh, certainly will um and i'm sure he'll be prepared for that and i'm sure he's already thinking about that um that being said this was a more measured uh, Blake Wheeler than I think we've seen in front of the media in uh, in a number of times, in a while, um, partly because of some of the situations where he has been out in front of the media in the past of this season. Yeah, I mean, but the team officially uh, being eliminated from the playoffs, appropriate for him to come out, I don't think he's going to say, I agree with him, Like, but he, it's pretty pretty new. I mean, we have plenty of time here <laughs> over the next couple of weeks to dissect the season and figure out about the team moving forward. He seems to be optimistic with some of the players that they have, but for whatever reason this year hasn't hasn't worked out. So I mean it wasn't wasn't too in depth, but I did enjoy um you know being asked about the culture because we saw earlier this week Kyle Connor and uh who was it? Uh Pierre Luc Dubois you know talk about uh you know the team culture and especially Connor was like never never too early to start building culture for next season and that was kind of interesting and that's part of why you know these player conferences are almost more entertaining than the games well they're, they're, they certainly are yeah. interesting i mean and they've been more interesting over the past week and a half than i think at any point this season i mean i think and it's something that we've talked about before i don't know whether we got very often this season um and listen i know it's monotonous and it's tedious and it's probably a pain in the ass for these guys to answer questions especially after tough oh. losses over the course of this year um but at least we're getting some more honesty because at times before, I mean, we made a ton of jokes on this program about some of the things that were rolled out as reasons why the team wasn't doing as well as they probably should have been doing. And I think we've now seen that at least the team within that room has come to the realization that maybe it wasn't a lot of those other things outside of the room, but, you know, what was happening within it. I will say, you know, speaking of that, um, I do appreciate the honesty. I think that's all you want. I mean, hearing them talk about for sure playoffs the last couple of weeks when it was clear wasn't going to happen when they could really string together a couple straight wins. But I will say, I mean, having to go out and like imagine you just had like the worst day at work ever. I'm sure people come home like they don't want to talk to their wife or their partner when you get home. You just want to sit there and do nothing. Like imagine you just had a horrible day. You've had a horrible year at work, fallen short of all expectations, and you're going to answer questions uh from i i don't know i'll never know how what would that's you do, like how would you do if billick and mcintyre oh. were lining up to asking you about all the times oh. that you screwed up the mute button in an episode of winnipeg sports Talk? I, I would lose i would lose it <laughs> yeah if, if i had to answer questions on that every time yeah i would probably hate them too i'd be terrible <laughs> i always i always think it reminds me of my brief stint as an accountant huss and i had to go and ask like the g the general managers of companies be like so tell me about this uh, line item on your financial statement. So what went into that? And they just like wouldn't want to talk to you. That's the <laughs> kind of that reminds me of these reporters asking about like the worst. Someone said like, is this the worst season of Jets 2.0? And um, I mean, relative to expectations, I think it would have to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, either yeah. this or eighteen nineteen. In eighteen nineteen, it was a playoff yeah. team. It was out in the first round, but. You know, I could make an argument that that one was as disappointing, but the bottom line is it's not a good company to be in because we remember how that season ended. Mm. But let's get to these comments on the culture because I think this is the 
probably the most important thing that came out of today. Um, and it's quite clear. I mean, Blake Wheeler is the guy that, you know, has the has the C on his jersey. And we have heard a lot about the culture and, you know, and at times this year about leadership. And um, he certainly didn't uh, shirk responsibility for that. Um, I mean, he was asked about the culture of this team going forward and what he's heard so far this year from uh, or the le- recently from some of his teammates. Here's the captain. You know, we've, we've heard Kyle Connor out here, Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre Dubois. I mean, Kyle Connor questioned maybe motivation at, at times and, and talked about the need for a culture change. Um, when you hear those that type of thing, what, what does that mean to you? Well, I think I would have to take responsibility for that. You know, it's been my job to to build the culture here and and uh, taken a lot of pride in that over the years. And, um, you know, so... I, I certainly look in the mirror on that one and, and kind of where we've gotten to and the team that we were and the team that we are now. And, um, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't hide from that at all. You know, I, I certainly uh, take the responsibility for, you know, where where this team sits. And, and I think um, I'm hopeful that we have a locker room full of guys doing the same thing. But, you know, I, I certainly know, you know, that uh, – like I said, I've tried. I've tried to build build this into something that we can be proud of, as something that that can uh, be a championship level every year. And, and when you fall short of that, you know, you, you gotta you gotta take responsibility for it. Go next to Sarah Lesky from TSN. Go ahead, Sarah. Thanks, Tyler. Hi, Blake. I don't know if you you meant it as literally as it comes out, but when you said it feels like you're back at square, or it feels like you guys are back at square one right now. So does this end of this season feel different than in some of the past ones, uh, maybe where you haven't achieved the success that you want to? Or is that just taking that comment maybe a little bit too literally? Well, there's similarities. You know, it's, it's been a while now since we've been in this, this spot, but um, it, it feels different in the sense that, you know, uh, before it felt, you know, we hadn't really had the success yet, so we didn't really expect it per se. But it felt like we were still, we were building, we were building something. Um, a lot of young players, a lot of guys, you know, that we that we really believed in that were going to get us to that next level, and and that that obviously came to fruition. Now it just kind of feels like searching for answers. Not really sure what you know what happened, and um, you know we have more established players and um, some some key spots that, you know, you would have thought we'd have more success. So there's similarities and some differences, I would say. All right. So there's a little bit more from Captain Blake Wheeler. Again, if you want to re-listen to the uh, entire media scrum, it is uh, up, I believe, on the Jets site and at NHL.com. Um, but listen, it was, uh, it, listen, I think it was, it was honest to a point. I mean, as he said, he wasn't going to break down everything right now in a public forum. And I think that's probably smart for someone that carries the weight that he has in the organization. Um, but it was also clear that he holds a lot of him on himself. The one thing that I'll say, and, and again, I, I'm going to couch this because I have a feeling that he was speaking as a captain, as a guy that, you know, was the first one out that has the C that bears the majority of the responsibility. But he did talk about trying to build a culture from an I thing. And I mean, honestly, the good teams, I mean, it's not about one guy uh, that establishes it and everybody else follows. It's about the team coming together. And it's very clear, in my opinion, Remus, from what we've heard from particularly Kyle Connor, uh, as well as Paul Stastny over the course of the last little while, that um, the entire culture, if you will, is not really all... uh, 
Um, uh, listen, it, it, it is not a full team culture right now. Maybe that's because, you know, you've got very established veterans, some newer guys that are more veteran players and then younger players. But um, it seems like there's a bunch of different levels on this club. And I can just say this from my personal viewpoint. It sure would be great if you were able to get a guy to come in along with the likes of Blake Wheeler and Ehlers and the guys that, you know, are will and will be Winnipeg Jets next season and build something that is not about one or two guys establishing the culture for everybody else, but getting buy-in from everyone and really developing something that helps this group of talented players become a very, very good team. We'll have to wait and see um, what happens going forward. I think the comments that I took out as well, just over the last couple of weeks, I mean, you go to Andrew Cops comment about and you talked about it yesterday with Murat about getting the lawn chairs out on the penalty kill and <laughs> Dubois I mentioned yesterday Dubois talked about um you know just like how they let teams sit on the outside and they're defending and by the time they get the puck they're too tired. I wonder if there is some disconnect as well between how the players want to play and uh, how the coaching staff wants them to play. And I think you know you've kind of seen that just by how they haven't been able to have, we don't know what their identity is. They haven't had a consistent game. Uh, you know, they can't play a full 60 minutes, all these uh, slow starts repeatedly. As a um, team, they haven't looked like they've been on the same page at almost any point yeah. this season, outside of maybe the first 15 games with a pretty nice start. Yeah, I mean, I could go, you could go over a lot of different things here. So it seems like there are a number of issues that have to get sorted out, but there are, you know, some top players there like, uh, like Kyle Connor and, Nick Eilers that you could build around, but I think they need some help for scoring. We've seen that, but also, you know, the team defense next year has to improve as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, listen, we'll uh, pick this up with Ruwiki coming up a little later on. And the Gus bus, David Gustafson, will also be joining us in about 20 minutes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this next segment with our good friend, Andrew Collier. Uh, baseball fans, we've got some very good news for you. Just before we do that, I want to give a big thank you to our newest sponsor, Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Folks, you've seen their trucks all over the city. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call at 452-2700. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And uh, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. A great team of experts at Wallace can come down and arrange to give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Um, our friends at Vita Health continue to be Winnipeg's go-to place for Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, all at great prices. Not to mention some delicious luncheons at the uh, lunch options, excuse me, at the Vita Market Grab and Go Deli with salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. The very popular falafel salad. And uh, of course, you can also get ready for barbecue season with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Uh, now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca, you can check out their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Myvita.ca or check out at any of seven Winnipeg locations for Vita Health Fresh Market. And hey, summer is just about here, folks. You know it's finally that time after a couple years of 
not getting the suit on. It's about time to get back at it. Don't be the guy that leaves his new suit until the last minute. You know you've got events coming up this summer and into the fall. If you want a fresh look, now's the time to come and see Andrew and the gang at F Apparel. They've got their new spring and summer fabrics in stock and ready with over 250 new fabrics in every style, pattern, or color. And, of course, with wedding season coming and many weddings being planned, talk to the guys over at F Apparel. Don't waste your money renting suits for one day or one weekend. Uh, get the gang together. 15% discount when the wedding party buys the suits from F Apparel, and they will get you and the gang all suited up. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street, and online at F-E-P-H Apparel. Dot com. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little baseball. We'll get back to hockey with David Gustafson coming up in a few minutes and Brandon Rewicki. Despite the weather outside and uh, another special weather statement heading into the weekend, I can confirm that the Gold Eyes are back and we will be back at the ballpark sooner than you think. Let's get ready for the season and discuss some pretty exciting announcements today from the Fish with our good friend, the general manager of the Goldeyes, Andrew Collier. You can follow him on Twitter at Goldeyes GM. Cash, what's going on, man? Great to have you back on the program. The announcement made today, and you can check this out at the Goldeyes site. Support local Shaw Park to serve Manitoba-made beer exclusively in 2022. Um, this is, I mean, an awesome, awesome move by the Goldeyes, I think. A great showcase for so many of the great beers here in the city and province. Of course, our favorites, Little Brown Jug, is going to be at the ballpark as well. And uh, looking forward to having Andrew talk about that. Andrew, let's, uh, let's try this now. How Can you hear me and can we hear you? First things first, how are things uh, over at Goldeyes HQ? It's been a long, crazy couple of years. I mean, uh, how much uh, are you and the staff looking forward to uh, welcoming fans back and getting the team back on the uh, on the on the pit or the uh, the diamond next month? Uh, we're so excited. I'd I'd be even more excited if I could see the field right now instead of the snow. But you know, what? fingers crossed that we get more rain than snow this weekend, and it uh, it melts that snow, and we have time for it to dry before training camp starts on May fifth. Well, we'll have plenty of time around training camp to talk about the roster, the lineup, who's pitching. Talk to Rick. Let's talk about what's happened at the games, and this is a really cool. I mean, obviously, we joke a lot on this program about uh, enjoying beers, which is not a joke. It's very much true. You've seen me at the ballpark before. Uh, but I know you told me this. You were working on this through over the uh, the off season. Tell us about the um, the decision to go all local and um, have exclusively Manitoba made beer in the ballpark, and what that means for fans when they're going to head down to uh, down to see the fish. Yeah, we're really excited about this. It's, this all kind of started in 2018 when we developed Craft Beer Corner, and we were able to bring in some some craft breweries from across Manitoba, and then. Over the years, I just thought, you know what? There are so many great brewers in this province. Why not go 100% local? And thanks to the support of the brewers in Manitoba, we're, we're able to do that. So this year, uh, there will be four different brewers available in cans at every game. Uh, Fort Gary, Little Brown Jug, Canada Brewery, and Torque. Those will be in cans at all the bars and the beer tubs. And then... 12 different brewers at, at Craft Beer Corner throughout the summer um, on a rotating basis. So if you come once a month, you're going to see different beers each time you come. And at each game, we'll have 18 different Manitoba-made beers available. So if you can't find one that you like out of those 18, then 
I'm not sure what to do. Part of me thinks that this is just a big off-season scam by you to be uh, testing all of the product all season long to make sure it's up to, up to the quality for the uh, very important fans of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. R&D is very important around the Gold Eyes. We want to make sure that the quality is there for our fans. So uh, I've done many tours of the, the great tap rooms in the city and uh, all responsibly, of course, uh, while doing that. And uh, yeah, we think we have a great lineup here this summer. It is exciting. Now, I have to ask you, as someone that's worked on, uh, you know, the sponsorship side uh, before, I mean, um, listen, the big guys, if you will, have been a big, big part of um, sponsoring teams, Gold Eyes as well. I mean, uh, was this a financial risk to do it? And um, how, uh, like just from that side, I mean, is there a, is there a risk to doing this um, outside of, you know, hopefully providing uh, Winnipeg fans with uh, some great beer options that they can have when they go to the game? You know what, because of the great support of the brewers that are going to be here, there there really isn't any financial risk. Um, the only risk or or um, for us is putting as many people in the ballpark as we can to sample as many different products as possible. So the, uh, the, uh, the brewers that are here are going to, sell a ton of beer and hopefully people come here and maybe try their product for the first time and then go to the tap room and try it again there, go to the liquor mart and buy some products there. So I hope it's a win-win for everyone. Well, it's a win-win for our crew. The fact that we can get 1919s in uh, 16 ounce cans and throw it in those nice big koozies and uh, kick a seat. And uh, well, we'll get to eating in a minute. Uh, Craft Beer Corner, if people haven't been to the ballpark in the last few years and aren't familiar with it, just give people a little bit of rundown uh, and how it might be different as opposed to the last couple of seasons. Sure. So Craft Beer Corner is located down the left field line. Uh, great seating area there. Uh, Anybody with a ticket to the game can go sit there. You can go sit there for an inning, go sit there for the whole game. Great view of the ballpark, great view of the Human Rights Museum, just a, a great Winnipeg view. Uh, we'll have eight different beers on tap at each game, four different brewers with two different uh, flavors each. And like I said, it'll be on a rotating basis. So each homestand, there will be a different four brewers there. So yeah, come out to lots of games and try out their product. And as you've mentioned, and we have mentioned, we have the the beer bat. It will yes, have this is my this when we arrive. But this is my this is my uh, in depth uh, beer insider uh, work on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, where uh, we got you to sort of fill it up. The beer bat that's going to be out at the craft beer corner as well, and uh, just fill people in that. But that's a big one. It's like a twenty six ouncer, I believe. 26 ounce beer bat. It'll be available exclusively at Craft Beer Corner, but it'll also be available at the slushy stand. So if you have your kids with you and they want a, a bat as well, we can get that full of slushy for them. 26 ounces, 26 ounces of slushy. So they'll be bouncing off the walls when they get home. <laughs> Not that they wouldn't be anyways out at the uh, out at the ballpark. Uh, listen, this is awesome news. You can check out goldeyes.com for more information on everything happened as far as suds goes. What about concessions? I mean, listen, going to the game is great. One of the best part about it is going out. Yes, the Nacho Helmet is here with the great new logo. Uh, talk to us about some of the things that you're excited when it comes to a uh, when you get your feet on at Shaw Park. Yeah, so the uh, the nacho helmet. I've I've seen these at major league 
ballparks in the past, and we thought, you know what, we need some new items at, at the ballpark. So the Nacho Helmet will be available uh, from a kiosk down the right field line. So when you come in, you can go down the right field line, grab your Nacho Helmet, cruise on down to the left field line, and grab a beer bat full of suds, or on your way, grab a beer bat full of slushy. Uh, also, the Ballpark Caesar, really excited about this. Uh, it's going to have a Danny's Whole Hog Pepperoni Stick, a mini pierogi, pickle spear, cube of Bothwell cheese. So again, staying all local on the uh, the the items going in the Ballpark Caesar. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is great. Andrew Collier's with us, getting ready for baseball season at Shaw Park. You mentioned the Nacho Helmet. Uh, what about uh, any new people um, in the ballpark? As far as uh, some of your partners, as far as restaurants and whatnot, anything uh, anything new we'll be able to get to eat outside of uh, the uh, very innovative nachos in the batting helmet. Well, we have a little Pizza Heaven, another local Winnipeg company here, serving up their great pizza. New this year, Big Smoke Barbecue. So if you like your brisket, your beans, oh, yeah. your cornbread, uh, that'll be down the left field line as well. That's brand new this year. Really excited about that. Uh, if anybody's been to their location before, knows how, how great their products are. So that's, uh, that's really exciting this year. Uh, what's the uh, mini donuts still obviously there? Obviously, mini donuts, pretzels. Uh, uh, the uh, Ukrainian, the Ukrainian out in the left field line near the uh, near uh, craft beer corner. One of my personal favorites, Mr. Pierogi. Yeah, he's uh, he's supplying the the mini pierogies that are going in the ballpark Caesar. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. And uh, and of course the Goldie Dog. I don't think the Goldie Dog gets enough respect on the uh, on the local concession scene. Maybe it's because you have to go so far out on right field to buy it. But I will say this: it is worth it. And uh, we've talked a lot about the Walby Burger and the Jet Dog. Uh, I do think we need to start giving the respect that the Goldie Dog works. Split bacon on it. I mean, it's it's a solid solid ballpark dog. It is a fantastic dog. And and you say it's down the right field line with all the items that people are going to be eating. They're going to need to walk it off. So walk the concourse back and forth, picking up different items along the way. Lose those pounds that you're going to be gaining from all the food you're going to be eating. All right. Well, we've talked about what we're eating and drinking at the ballpark. Um, tell us about how the club's coming together. Uh, I know another signing today of a uh, catcher that was just with the club uh, previously, a big return. I mean, now how are things looking uh, roster-wise for uh, Rick and the boys when they get to town? Things are good. I think we're just about done filling out the roster. I think Rick would like to add a couple more pitchers um, just because we have five preseason games. It'd be good to get as many guys into the game as possible to give Rick a, a good look at what he has. But I really like our lineup. It's it's coming together nicely, a good mix of returning guys and, and new guys. I think uh, I think it's going to be an exciting team. Uh, Andrew, um, you know, I was actually uh, DMing with uh, Steve Schuster. I'm looking forward to getting on the program as well around training camp and throughout the season to give us uh, kind of the latest on the squad. Um, but I was asking him about some of the rules. Um, you know, minor league baseball, affiliated minor league baseball, has had some pretty significant rule changes this year, including the pitch clock. Um, uh, do we expect anything like that happening in the American Association right now, or is it still somewhat up in the air? I mean, just from a rule standpoint, um, anything different this year for uh, the Gold Eyes in the league? Nothing significantly different other than the extra inning rule. We're going to the international rule where the, the player will be placed on second base. Um, but 
pitch clock has been talked about every year because we're always trying to speed up the games a little bit. Um, so I, I think that'll be an ongoing discussion. I think our our league office is currently looking at how it's working in the minor leagues right now. And and from everything I've seen, it, it is speeding up the game and keeping it moving. Um, so that'll be uh, further discussed. Uh, well, listen, we'll have uh, plenty of time to get ready for it. So camp, what is camp uh, set first week in May? May 5th is when we start camp and then uh, first preseason games are the 7th and 8th and then 10th and 11th and then May 13th is the home opener. Getting right to it. No, uh, no big uh, long trip through the States to start the season this year. Not this year. No, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And the commissioner will be here on May 13th. So hopefully it's nice and warm for him that day to come up and come up and see a game. I'll say this dude, we're due. I mean, I don't know how much more of this garbage weather we could possibly get. And we're going to get another big storm system coming in on the weekend. So maybe we can just get it all done with, and then uh, have a perfect season of gorgeous weather for a gold ice fans down at the park. That would be ideal. Yeah. So let's get out of the way this weekend and then uh, smooth sailing after this. Good stuff. Uh, hey, quickly. Yeah. So much excitement about the blue Jays. Um, great start to the club. They won last night. One of the most fun, young and exciting teams in all of baseball. When there's that sort of a buzz around the Jays, do you find that that helps the gold eyes as well? I think anytime there's great baseball on TV, it gets people fired up. It's just like when the masters is on, everybody gets jacked up to go golfing. Not that we can this year, but <laughs> I think once people start seeing the game being played and it, it gets them fired up and gets them want to come and see some, some live baseball, but yeah, the blue Jays are an exciting team. I I haven't missed many games this year so far. I got it on here right now watching watching the game but what an exciting team and uh hopefully they can make a run you know what and as big guy said just as far as the pitch clock you know speeding up the game will give us less time for the nachos and the beer bat so we may have to rethink that so we're fine with that going forward even the even the speeding up the extra inning sometimes it's harder to get those things once you're into the tent uh andrew where can people uh get the latest information or talk to one of your folks about uh mini packs season tickets group tickets everything going on this year to get ready to get back out and see the gold eyes play everything they need to know including the craft beer lineup is at goldeyes.com uh, mini packs season tickets groups patio outings sky suites Everything they need to know is right there or call 982-BASE. Well, looking forward to uh, having uh, Remus and myself come down. Uh, potentially, if we can work it out, actually just maybe do a show or two from there. But we'll definitely come down and do some detective work on some of the new offerings, both food and drink-wise. And uh, we can have some fun for social media and our channel doing that as well. We'll see you very soon. All the best and uh, cannot wait to get out and see the Gold Eyes again this year. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait to see you down here. By the way, Remus has been warming up his arm all season long. He's ready to do the opening pitch at some point this year. I think he needs to uh, no. win that title again, the, the home run title. I keep seeing that trophy, and it makes me roll my eyes every time I see it. I can't hey, believe it. Still undefeated. He's still undefeated. You, you, you Let us know if he's got to defend the belt. But up until this point, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. He still is the man, as is shown by the trophy in the background here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Andrew, all the best, man. We'll see you soon. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Goldeyes.com for all your information on the upcoming season. Uh, we'll definitely have to do a couple Winnipeg Sports Talk meetups out there as well.
uh, really looking forward to the season. Uh, well, hey, you know, we talked a lot about enjoying those beer bats, uh, whether you're having beers or uh, or not. you got to make sure you mix in water. And when you're thinking water, nobody does it better than the experts at Culligan, a family-owned local business that have been doing it as the go-to people for all things water for over 65 years. Uh, the Culligan folks have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether for the home, the cottage, the office, Culligan's got you covered. Hit them up at uh, 694-5180. You can visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And as we mentioned, man, uh, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery, I don't think they expected the run on winter to go as long as it has been like many of us uh but they are moving pivoting it into the spring and summer first things first if you're in the city the good news is extended hours right now throughout the summer 8 a.m to 8 p.m so if you're getting ready and you uh you know you're finishing work and you want to start you know working on that fishing boat or something for the summer uh you've got time to finish up get down to manitoba battery before 8 p.m each and every day and for our friends out in the rural areas getting ready for farm season uh the farm sale is on right now uh they've got uh 20 let's see 30 group 31 1100 cranking app batteries for 8750 ford and chevy half ton batteries for 7950 and 900 amp top post batteries utility batteries for just 7250 to name a few of the great deals you can take advantage of phone orders are encouraged they'll have it ready for you when you come to pick up at 1026 logan avenue save time and money with manitoba battery 1026 logan avenue online at manitobabattery.com and uh, we're going to be speaking with david gustafson in just a sec if you've been around royal sports lately i know you maybe i saw i think i wore that winnipeg whips lid i had uh, an incredibly cool retro 1996 purple moose hat from the original season flying off the shelves there. And of course, getting ready for moose playoffs. We're going to talk about that with David Gustafson in just a second. Um, regardless of what team you're cheering for, whether it's the Raptors, I'm still choked about that game last night. Uh, the Blue Jays, NHL, bomber season coming up. The, the greatest selection of merchandise anywhere is at Royal Sports. But as the weather gets nicer, s- soccer, Baseball, softball, bikes, fitness, and more, not to mention the best hockey department in the city is all there waiting for you at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And you can check them out on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals. All right, this is going to be lots of fun. He has been a favorite of many of uh, you in the chat throughout the season, having another great season with the Manitoba Moose. Uh, An unfortunate couple games with the Jets, and we'll get to that because of injuries and, of course, a big leader on this club getting ready for the Calder Cup playoffs. It's a pleasure to welcome in Moose Center David Gustafson to the show. The Gus Bus is here. What's going on, David? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Uh, You know, doing well. Uh, You know, we're... (laughs) I mean, listen, let's be real. The weather could be a bit better as of late. This has been a very uncharacteristically long winter. Uh, And listen, it's been a tough season for the Winnipeg Jets, but I think people that have been paying attention uh, both to your team and the ice, really looking forward to some playoff hockey. I mean, first things first, how are you feeling right now? I mean, you were uh, injured for a while. You got back into the lineup. You had to go onto the COVID list, back in, look good on the weekend. Uh, Where are you at right now as we get to the uh, final stroke of the regular season and getting ready for uh, for the playoffs? No, I'm 100% again. I mean, as you said, yeah, it's been some injury, and 
COVID here for the last road trip, but uh, yeah, now I'm back and um, so to get a get on the last road trip road trip here with the boys. You know what? You, you know you played so well, and you know, and as I said before, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be lying to say that there was a lot of interest in you getting some more chances and some more time with the Jets. Um, but man, you want to talk about the definition of Murphy's Law? Uh, was you with the call-ups this year? I mean, two games started and injured early. I mean, was this just the most bizarre luck you've ever had in your life? Yeah, probably. I've never uh, never experienced anything like that before. Uh, yeah, and it was all early in the games too, around like my second shift, both times, and just man, that's uh, that hurts when that happens. Well, it certainly does, and I can imagine you know being a young player, working so hard, playing so well, knowing that you know you really had earned that opportunity. I mean, to have to get it, you know, two shifts in and then being out. I mean, uh, that must have been like a real mental challenge for you as well as the season went on. Oh yeah, sure. Especially second uh, second time. I mean, first time. I mean, injuries happens and stuff, but two times in a row, it's uh, it was tough, and it was a long injury too. So it was uh, two pretty tough month for me honestly probably the toughest I've had in my career like with the injury and like seeing maybe my chance of getting real good NHL games this year disappearing so it was tough but uh, now I feel like I'm back and uh, I have a great chance here before the playoffs and during the playoffs to really prove where I am right now You've always seen like such a positive person when we've spoken with you before, even from getting drafted and, you know, you're coming here and being such a big part of, uh, you know, last year's Moose squad. Um, you know, when, when, when you're rehabbing that second injury and you come back, um, you know, being, was it difficult to stay as positive as you normally are? Or, uh, I mean, it was being the person you are, you just kind of have to accept what's happened and, uh, and make the best of it. I mean, it was for sure. It was for sure hard to stay positive. I, uh, it's, there were some days better than other days, but yeah, I mean, you were by the sideline and seeing uh, your teammates playing out there, and you know, every athlete that's uh, struggling with that. I mean, you want to play. That's what you want to do, right? And especially when you finally get the chance to be out there, that's the time you get to show show yourself. And uh, I was, uh, I wouldn't want to say lucky, but uh, there were some other guys getting injured at the same time as me. So I, at least I wasn't by myself in the gym working out. I mean, I had, I had other guys like CJ and uh, was also injured at the same time as me. So we could work out together at least. Well, um, bottom line is you're back on the ice and playing well. Um, you know, this Moose team has been... <laughs> I described it when we were speaking last week, I think, to, to Dan Fink, um, you know, as as such a, an epitome of team. Like, there hasn't been one guy or two guys that have run away and sort of dominate all the scoring. And, I mean, you'd have guys that sometimes will be playing on the fourth or third line that the next day, due to whatever, are playing on the first line. It really seems like everyone has contributed. I mean, how would you characterize the, the you know, what the Manitoba Moose team is all about? And how many different guys have contributed on different nights to help you guys with the great record that you've got right now? Yeah, I mean, I think you did a great job of describing it, really, because, I mean, a lot of people talk about that they're a four-line team and everybody can contribute, but I feel like, for us, this that's really what we are. I mean, if you watch our stats and watch our games, you can see that we're four lines pushing, and everybody, no matter who's on the ice, it's, it's always a threat to score. And uh, that's, I feel like, that's our biggest strength. And uh, same with D-mans. I mean, we have six D-mans who can play the puck and shoot the puck and contribute offensively, offensively for us. 
Well, and, and, and I mean, listen, part of it has been the weird time that we're in with, you know, with the COVID list and also with injuries. Um, but I imagine it, it, you know, was needed as much as, you know, you were in a unique situation because I think that, you know, if we're at the beginning of the season, if we were talking about members of the Moose that would be getting opportunities, you know, to potentially go up and stay, you would have been at the top of the list. Um, but over the course of the season, so many of your teammates through whatever circumstances had a chance to get their first taste of NHL action. Um, what was that been like just being around the moose and seeing so many young guys like you have in the past, get that first game in and get a little bit of a taste of the best league in the world. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I feel like we're a great team, like uh, lifting up each other when that happens. Uh, as you said, a lot of guys have been give, uh, getting games up there now. And I feel like that's really good for us going into the playoffs here with, uh, Guys feeling a little more confident. I mean, they've been up there. They've been playing and they've had NHL games on their, uh, on their record. So that's the, I feel like that's another big strength for us, that we have almost a half a team with NHL games. Well, it, it, I mean, it's been it's been nice to see. And for uh, those of us that have you know been out and watched a lot of Moose games, I mean, the opportunity to see guys that maybe get small opportunities at the NHL level to come and you know play a much bigger role, one that they hope to graduate to at some point, has been yeah. big. Uh, but you know, as someone that was on the team last year and was the most you know valuable player on the club, um, you did have a coaching change this year. Tell us a little bit about Mark Morrison and uh, you know the job that he's been and uh, you know how important maybe a different voice or how he's helped this team get the results that you guys have had and had so many great years by so many players yeah i mean uh he he's really good at getting the most out of us i mean even uh, there was a time there where we had a lot of guys called up a lot of guys injured and our team was you know it was barely our team anymore i mean half the guys were new guys and he still managed to win i mean he he found a way for us to play to still manage to win against the top teams in the league and uh, i feel like uh He's really good at getting the most out of all of us. And uh, as I said, use all four lines. I mean, uh, we're not really, really we're not uh, going heavily on one line. We're good at uh, switching it up. So when injuries and call-ups happens, we're always good. We always have another guy who uh, steps up. Well, yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like, you know, he's leaned on every player in that roster. And you mentioned, I mean, a couple of those times early this season when so many guys were called up. I mean, yeah. as one of the leaders on the team, and I can't remember whether you were in the lineup for all those games or not, but I mean, it must have been hilarious at times. I mean, I think we were speaking with Jeff Malott on one of the one of the days, and he said, well, I mean, honestly, you were literally getting introduced to guys on the ice during warmups yeah. because they were just arriving, getting some gear on, and then, uh, hey, what's up? Nice to meet you. Yeah, that's that's literally what happened. I mean, I was one of the guys who was injured for most of that times, but there were some games that I like met a new guy at the warm ups, and then we go out to play together in the evening. And uh, I gotta say too, all the guys we we got during that uh, period of time, like they went in and they they play they play good. And I feel like we've been really lucky with all our call ups coming to the moves. That all of them has been been really good and really playing hockey up there. Uh, David Gustafson's with us. Couple weeks left in the regular season due to some makeup games. What's the feeling around the team right now? And I mean, what are you guys looking to do over the last couple of weeks, other than, of course, touch wood, stay healthy, and be ready to be feeling as good as possible when the puck drops in game one? Well, now it's all about finding our playoff game because uh, you can't just, uh, we've been talking a lot about, you can't just go into playoffs and uh, put the switch on. I mean, you, you, we got we to gotta find our game right now and, uh, find a game that we can stay with that we can play during playoffs because uh man it's uh 
it's the best of five series with StarWeb. So we better be better be ready for that. Uh, you know, playoff experience is so important, um, you know, regardless of what league you're in. I mean, from an individual perspective, knowing the role that you play with the Manitoba Moose, how excited are you are for the challenge of the Calder Cup playoffs? And uh, how much do you think a nice, long, successful run for your team could help you and a number of other players continue moving forward as uh, prospects within this organization? Oh, it's big. I mean, this is the first time I have the chance to actually go for playoffs with the with the Moose. I mean, because of COVID, the last two seasons, we didn't have any playoffs. So this is the first time for me really to show what I can do in a playoff and also see, see the playoff life over here. I mean, I played in Sweden, but of course it's different. So um, I'm really excited about this. No, no, I think uh, the fans are as well. And I mean, uh, you know what, listen, it's such a busy hockey market with all the things that are going going on. But I really do think that you're going to have a lot of people maybe that'll be coming out for the first time, uh, you know, once we get to the playoffs and seeing what uh, we'll tell if people haven't seen the moose uh, from your perspective, David, when they get out to, you know, a playoff game or at the end of the season, what will they see? How would you describe your team when uh, when people come in for the first time to the building if they haven't seen you so far? I uh... First of all, I think they're going to have a great time. I mean, uh, I feel like we, we put up a fun hockey out there. We play really offensively and aggressively. So uh, from what I've heard so far, the, the fans really like our game and uh, have a good time when they're there. So I think they should give it a try, and I, I think they're going to enjoy it. Well, I mean, you guys do seem like a real fun team, a team that has, uh, you know, that enjoys being together. Uh, and I have to ask you about this. I mean, we we all remember Jeff Malott's famous walk-off shootout celebration. Whoever it was in the marketing department that put together that ad for tickets afterwards based on that, absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Um, but we heard about the night in Chicago where Jeff's brother was fighting in the octagon in the UFC. Um, tell us what it was like being a, you know, a member of the team and what it was like you guys going, not knowing what happened and watching it. That must have been a real cool event for you and yeah. uh, all the guys in the room with Jeff uh, with Jeff being there. Uh, unfortunately, I was home with COVID during that time. Oh, so I couldn't be right. in the locker room. Yeah, I know. It, it was bad. I saw it from my um, uh, at home, so I still watch it, but from what I heard of the guys, it was just everybody right after the game, they like get crowded together, look at the TV and uh, they put it on and nobody know what was going on because we, none of us has posted anything of the ones we saw before. So, and then uh, as soon as uh, we saw his brother knock the guy out, everybody started cheering. And I think Jema was, uh, uh, had a mix of emotions, both relief and uh, happiness, of course, because I mean, it's got to be tough to see your brother fighting in inside of an octagon because, you know, anything can happen in there. Yeah, and, that's uh, not for the slight of heart. Well, to be honest, yeah. I was just amazed too because, you know, you you see Jeff, he's this good-looking, well-spoken guy, Ivy League college. I mean, you're yeah. sort of thinking professionally in front of what, his brother's an ass-kicker in the UFC? <laughs> What's going on? But uh, I'll tell you what, tell us about him though because he's a player that came last year and has really turned into one of the go-to guys. You played with him quite a bit. How have you enjoyed that? And uh, what have you thought of his season? I mean, I, I really enjoy playing with Jeff. I mean... That's that's why I've been doing it for two years now, and uh, I feel like we have a really good connection with each other, both both on the ice and off the ice. And I think that's a critical point for your linemates too, that you gotta be like uh, getting along well off the ice too. But uh, I mean, the guy the guy's a 
Um, but yeah, no, he's been a great story. And, uh, and then of course, Morgan Barron coming over. I imagine he'll be a big part of the, uh, of the playoff run. He's getting some uh, chances to play right now with the big club. Um, and those two guys were fast friends from their time at, uh, from their time at Cornell. So, uh, always nice to know a guy, but, uh, this team's coming together, getting healthy, getting re- ready for the playoffs. And, uh, listen, just, uh, have a great final couple weeks of the season. Stay in one piece, get that playoff game ready, and uh, cannot wait to see what you and your team can do for a Calder Cup run. It was 2009 when the Manitoba Moose went to the Calder Cup playoffs, and this city was completely behind the club. So uh, well, we'll we'll get to the first round first and see what happens, but I can tell you that the hockey fans here are really looking forward to what your team can do and uh, hopefully uh, get a, a bunch of butts in the seats to see what you guys can do come Calder Cup playoff time. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I... I, I hope we can put up a good playoff run here, and I hope we get the fans with us. That would be, it would be a nice way to uh, get into the spring here. Good stuff, David. Well, listen, yeah. all the best to you. Thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully many chats in the future about uh, your hockey career here in Winnipeg on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Good luck to you and the Moose the rest of the way. Yeah, thank you. It's my good, pleasure. Good stuff. The Gus Bus on Winnipeg Sports Talk, David Gustafson. Yes, one of your favorites. Cannot wait for Moose playoffs. And uh, yes, like many, probably would like to see a little more Gus Bus with the National Hockey League Club. Uh, but I certainly think another great season in the American Hockey League. This young man is ready to go for next season. And in the meantime, we'll see what he and his teammates can do. Chasing a Calder Cup, getting going in a couple weeks. Uh, all right, Brandon Ruick is going to join us in a few minutes on the program. Uh, well, as I said, the Moose, not ready to golf. The Ice, not ready to golf. Jets, unfortunately, will be hitting tee times uh, pretty much as soon as Breezy Bend opens, as well as the other courses around here. And uh, our friends at Breezy Bend are ready for the season. Actually, I'll do a little Breezy Bend golf report for you. Check out what's happening at the Zurich afterwards. Uh, But if you are thinking about a great long-term golfing home for you and your family, I don't know if there's a better spot in this city than Breezy Bend. A beautiful course, continued improvements on the 18, as well as in the clubhouse, on the patio, amazing facilities for members, uh, you know, the practice area, and of course, great junior women's programs as well. If you're thinking about making a, a new home for your family for the golf season, talk to Corey Johnson. Waiting list right now at Breezy Bend, but you're going to want to get on that. And certainly if you're ever thinking about uh, a great spot for a wedding or gathering, breezybend.ca for more information on booking as well. Uh, our friends at Not Autocorp, uh, I know Trevor, like myself, absolutely devastated at the Raptors loss last night. We'll talk about that as well as we come forward. I think he's heading out for game four, uh, but we've had a lot of talk lately around here about electric vehicles. And if you want to know more about what Teslas are like to drive, own, and and live in, um, the Tesla experience over at Not Autocorp is what you're going to need to do. Find out more about what an electric vehicle is like, benefits as well as um, you know how it's different from a traditional car. Talk to the experts at Not about the Tesla experience. And regardless of what type of vehicle you're looking for, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop on down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery, where you can find out more online at Not.ca. And as we heard from Andrew Collier. All local beer at the ballpark this year, including our go-to, the flagship Little Brown Jug 1919. Little Brown Jug is going to be available in cans at every single game throughout the year, as well as Craft Beer Corner. 
And of course, if you're not at the ballpark just yet, we're going to need to wait a little bit. You can pick up Little Brown Jug in time for the weekend at your favorite beer store, find restaurants throughout the city. It'll get you a 1919. And of course, you can always pop down and see them on William Avenue at the restaurant and tap room. And you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Citywide deliveries Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. All right, Brandon Rewicki is going to join us in less than 10 minutes. Let's get Michael Remus back in here and... Uh, Remo, fun little chat with the Gus bus. I uh, got to tell you, he's, uh, uh, I, I just see a couple of people just mentioning David's vibe. Um, he's always seemed like such a, you know, a pleasant young man to to talk to and, um, but was pretty honest about how difficult this season was been. I mean, he has been the walking incarnation of Murphy's law in that, um, you know, the minute he gets called up, he got hurt. And this is not a guy that's been hurt consistently throughout his career, sort of two fluke injuries, including the second one that took him out for a good amount of time. Uh, like five minutes in to uh, playing with the Winnipeg Jets. That's got to be, uh, it's got to be tough anytime, but especially when you're young with this opportunity, trying to crack the lineup. Yeah. As, as you mentioned, um, and you finally get in and then you get hurt and then you get back in and then you're hurt again. I think, you know, the mental aspect of injuries, maybe it's something that, you know, you, we don't exactly know what they're going through, but I think it definitely it was nice to hear that he had some company in there with CJ Cease. I mean, not nice, you know, for them, but it's going to happen. Uh, so he seems to have battled back. He seems still positive spirits looking forward to the playoffs. Interestingly enough, they haven't even had playoffs last year's because of the shortened season in 2020 and just the way the schedule was last year. If you look at Gustafson, I mean, he had an MVP last year, what, 19 points in, in 22 games. Uh, this year he's at 28 and 45. Uh, I see a lot of people in chat getting fired up for Moose playoffs. And I see a lot of people saying, hey, you know what? I actually want to go see this because I remember going to Moose playoff games in the Calder Cup season 2009. I remember in their last year as well um, going to games. So uh, it sounds like it would be a good atmosphere. And look, if we can't have the Jets playoffs, as you said, Moose and Ice uh, both in. And uh, I'd go see the next, what, what how they have for the next uh, Winnipeg Jets or even the current Cur Mooses, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I've been to a lot of games, uh, especially over the last sort of month and a half. Um, they've been trying to get to most of them. And I mean, it is a really fun team. Um, and, and, you know, to see guys like Johnny Kovacevic and Declan Chisholm and David Gustafson and Jeff Mallott play the way they are, I mean, you know, you're part of it is looking from a lens of someone expecting, okay, what can these guys do in the National Hockey League? Um, and that will always be part of, you know, being on an AHL team in the same city as the big club. Um, but, you know, when you just sort of remove the NHL aspect and go there and talk about the team on the ice, the way that they play and what they've been able to achieve this year, um, it, it is a great team. Mark Morrison's done an amazing job with the club and I mean, and, and like David said, and like I said, I didn't really want to get into it because I didn't want to put him in a bad situation, but I couldn't help think, Reem, you know, the way he described what the Moose is, which is a legitimate fourth line, uh, four line team where everybody's playing, everybody's getting minutes, everybody's contributing and how different that must have been when he or any of these other young players are called up and play on the fourth line with the Winnipeg Jets and get four or five or six minutes of ice time a night. I mean, it's it's a very, very different thing. I mean, I think it sort of speaks to, you know, what they've thought about the depth, maybe the the urgency to to, to score and, you know, get more out of the, the top six this year. Um, but when you watch the Moose and the way the lines are rolled and the way the team plays, it won't remind you of the way that ice time has been distributed here with the big club. 
Yeah, maybe not the best thing. Uh, but hey, uh, Dave must have shocked you, you know, being on a team that rolls all fourth, all four lines, going to the Jets and getting five minutes a night on. Yeah, the fourth that, line. that wouldn't that wouldn't have been cool. It would, but, have, been an, uh, it would have been unfair to David. But uh, you know, although I was th- thinking it, one thing I think a lot of people in chat, uh, I think, was mentioned as well. You know, he mentioned you know how many Moose have had time on the Jets this year. There's Jeff Malott leading the way in the points. I have it on the screen for all the podcasts. Those are Pogansky, Gustafson, Kovacevic, Chisholm, Cease. Um, scroll down, Reichel. We also had Veselainen in. Uh, Isumont got in. Hainala, Barron. Perfetti, Samberg, I mean, a lot, lot of guys, Toninato, um, so many, you know, burdens with the Jets now as well. So, so many players on the Moose getting in with the Jets. And again, we're looking forward to a uh, Calder Cup playoff run, hopefully a deep run. That would be nice. Well, you know what? It, it really would be. And, um, you know, I think the ice are, you know, certainly equipped to have a deep run. And again, the ice playoffs begin coming up on, Friday night, Friday and Saturday at the Ice Cave, and they're going to get uh, going a couple weeks ahead of the Moose. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, as disappointing as this Jets season's been, um, I, if the Jets were in the playoffs, I think that really would have sucked all the oxygen out and probably people would have been not paying as much attention to the Moose or Ice. So for both of those organizations, this is a huge opportunity maybe to make some new fans, um, to show some people that haven't been paying attention the quality product that both of those teams have been putting out this year. Um, and bottom line, go out and play some very important, meaningful, fun games and great atmospheres trying to win a championship. And uh, both clubs will be able to do that. The ice get going, as we mentioned, this weekend. And uh, when we're done today, and we had James Patrick, a great conversation earlier this week on the on the show. Uh, he's going to be jumping on with, uh, with K&R at 3 p.m. So we'll get out by 3 o'clock and you can head over if you want to hear more on the upcoming ice playoffs with um with Kenny and Rennie and head coach James Patrick. Hey, just before we bring Brandon Rewicki in, I did mention our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge still looking for a couple of university students that might be looking for a dream job in the summer to come out and work. I mean, from a fishing perspective, it is world class. Um, it is the greatest three or four days of the year when you get out there. But I've always been incredibly envious of the young people that get to spend the entire summer out at Aikens Lake. Uh, I do believe they're looking for still one more fishing guide. So you'd obviously want to have some good fishing experience, but you don't need any experience to work at dock hands, laborers. There's always lots going on. Incredibly fun place. Talk to our friend Pitt Turan. You can find out more online at AikensLake.com or fire him a tweet at Aikens Lake on Twitter and uh, see if it might be a great fit for you. All right, let's get Rewiki in here. Lots to get to. Well, we'll talk Jets. I also want to talk with Brandon about some of the other stories in and around the National Hockey League. Uh, but let's welcome him in for a Thursday chat. Rewiki, what's going on? How are you? Uh, just uh, touching up the resume for the Aikens Lake application. You would love it. You would I, love it. It's probably yeah. a tough place to go with a young family. I mean, I'm not sure how your wife would feel if you just said, hey, listen, I'm going to see you probably first week in September. But um who knows? Maybe she'd be all for it. I don't know how very supportive. Are He's very supportive. I, th- I think we'll we'll find a we'll find a happy medium here. But I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Um, you know what? I'm uh, as I said, I've been at peace with the season for a long time. Um, I, I have honestly, as much as you know, the games have been whatever. Uh, I've been incredibly interested, intrigued. I mean, I could use a number of adjectives to describe my reaction to hearing some of these post-game comments from the Jets over the last little while. 
Um, we'll get to Blake Wheeler's comments today because I think it's a little different being, you know, in a pregame situation when you've been eliminated. Um, but I mean, I know you're paying close attention. I mean, what do you think? What uh, Ehlers after the game on Friday, Stastny and Kyle Connor, maybe in particular, speaking about it's never too late to start building a culture on Saturday. Uh, a, a lot of stuff coming out of the room that let's just be honest, we have never heard or haven't heard in a long, long time around here. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny because I was talking to Remo the other day about this, and it's like the the post-game comments are really the only form of entertainment we have right now because nobody's all that invested in what's going out there on the ace, and nobody wants to talk about it because it's the same game. It feels like game after game. But uh, eye-opening, even though we all kind of know or have heard rumblings or, or whatever it is, you know, like to me, hearing Ehlers speak, Really enjoyed what he had to say. I, I think that's that's kind of the the perfect mix of a dude that's frustrated, but he's not throwing anybody under the bus by name, yet he's trying to kind of motivate and, and maybe uplift and, and be positive about everything. Like that that's about as good as you can you can speak when things are going as poorly as they have been. But my God, like for Kyle Connor to say essentially, like we gotta build some kind of a culture here, this isn't this isn't a team like the Buffalo Sabres or, you know, the Seattle Kraken or pick your team, the New, the New Jersey Devils that are, you know, average age of 23 years old, right? Like this is, this is a decently old team. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of rookies that have played the entire season with this team. So just to hear somebody of, of his stature say something like that, I, I don't know how you can't be alarmed by, by something like that because it speaks to, a major, major disconnect, and then maybe even a major fracture inside that locker room. Well, and who's saying it is important too. I mean, this is the guy that's having a career year that scored 43 goals, that's leading the league, leading the team with 85 points, and you know, will in all likelihood be the MVP of the club. And you're hearing that from him. I mean, this isn't, you know, a guy that you know that gets in. I mean, a Nate Bolio type, although obviously no longer with the club. I mean, you know, a bit player. I mean, these were the most important, some of the most important players on the club, and. I mean, Paul Stastny, I've said for a long time, is sort of, I think, the conscience of the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, he's had an amazing season on the ice with 21 goals. I don't know how many people had that coming. But also, I mean, I think his presence right now, and maybe some of the things he's, he's said recently has maybe spurred a little bit more honesty or the truth serum, as we like to say, in some of his other teammates coming out. But, I mean, it's been stark. It's been jaw-dropping at times, but I guess in a lot of ways, what else should we expect? I, listen, I'd much prefer this sort of frank honesty, uh, and I think most fans do as well, as opposed to, to be honest, what we've had for a long time leading up to this, which was sort of pushing things aside, not accepting it. And, and, and you know, accountability has been the word. We've talked so much about this club and what they really need. And we never really got a lot of that. I mean, uh, you know, starting with Coach Maurice. I mean, hey, and you know, this is a different. This is a philosophy. Some people say, "Listen, it's none of anyone else's business." Obviously, I'm going to be talking to these guys about certain things, but I'm going to go out there and sort of protect them and um, you know handle things different. And I think that sort of trickled down to a lot of the players as well. It doesn't seem like that's the case right now with this season essentially lost. Yeah, well, I don't think it's a coincidence either that this happens as they officially yeah. fall out of the playoff picture, right? Like there, there was, it was pretty silent a week and a half, two weeks ago, even though, you know, it would have taken a minor miracle for them to get in. But now that reality has officially set in for the players, it, it's just intriguing that we're starting to hear players that we haven't normally heard speak up, 
start to to step up and, and make some some pretty important statements. And yeah, like I, I think that I I don't want to say you know with any sort of definitive certainty of of what's going on there, but you, you kind of wonder if there's I don't know if cliques is necessarily the right word, but just fractions of of the dressing room that is kind of looking around and say, okay, these guys, these guys are doing things right, but these guys, these guys, these guys, these guys are the ones holding us back, and we need a lot more from from pretty much everybody on the board. But you know, as as far as just simple things like effort and and focus and attention to detail, we we just haven't gotten that from a large group of the team this year, which is obviously extremely extremely frustrating. The 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 Stasny thing that I just wanted to touch on quickly, and I don't even dis- I don't disagree with you. He probably is to an extent the consciousness of this team. He's a free agent this year. And I, I know the plan was to bring him back and everything like that. Well, is there not a decent chance that Paul Stasny looks around and says, uh, I'm not so sure this is the place I want to be, knowing that I, I probably got one more one more year left of chasing a Stanley Cup. You know, if you lose the consciousness of a team that is <laughs> completely falling apart at the seams here, what does that do for the mentality going into next season? I'll say this about Paul Stasny to your point. I think uh, I, I think his bargaining power has gone up significantly over the course of the last couple months with what's happened to the club, with the season that he's had. I mean, as well as the realistic possibility that Mark Shifley isn't a Winnipeg Jet next year. I mean, I know we've talked plenty about that over the course of the season. I still think it's more likely that he'll be traded than he isn't. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said oh, 60% okay. last week, and I think that if you said it to me today, I think I'd say it's more like about 75 so why, like, I, I just don't, I don't know. And, and, and so much, there's so many variables in the air, right? Like if there's any management changes or anything like that, but why, like, why, why would it be going up and up as, as we move forward here? I, I'm just, I'm curious about that. I don't know. Because I, we I, don't see moves like this. I think I was trying to be conservative earlier with my number. And I think <laughs> I'm becoming more and more confident that what I'd been thinking for most of the season is coming to fruition in that the team is somewhat broken. Uh, listen, I think that there is some blame on the general manager for the way the roster's put together. I mean, there will be player moves. Coaching, we've talked about on end. I do believe that there'll be a new coach. Um, so that should change some things. But I still don't think that you can just, you know, get a couple new players in here on the periphery and bring a new coach in and expect that this team is going to be going head-to-head with Carolina and Florida and Tampa and be the Stanley Cup contender. And... When it comes to Shifley, I mean, a big part of it is the contract. I mean, we can't lose sight of that. I mean, he's going into year seven of an eight-year deal. It's a pretty good value when it comes to what he does scoring-wise for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, So I do think there'll be a demand for that. I think that there will be... Excuse me, getting choked up talking about this. It's been such a big part of the club for a long time. (laughs) Um, But, but, you know, I mean, I, I think that that sort of a piece does two things if you make that trade. Uh, First of all, I think you can legitimately bring back some pieces that can help you get better in some other areas. I mean, you may be losing maybe on a high-end offensive side, but I think there's certainly an argument to be made that depending on the players that come in, where they're played, how they they do it as in a 200-foot game, you could have a net gain in that. You might be losing a little bit here, but gaining more there. And then, you know, going back to the entire talk about you know, the team's culture and whatnot. I, I'll be straight. I've been incredibly disappointed in Mark Shifley as a quote-unquote leader. Um, and we heard from Blake Wheeler, you know, today. 
Um, I think Josh Morrissey's been the guy that's shown the most, to be honest, you know, frankness, honesty, leadership recently. But I think Wheeler's comments today were quite telling as well. I think he was, you know, a little bit more guarded, a little bit more prepared. Um, I think, you know, emotionally, he's at a place where he knows that the season is, um, is you know, is done. But I think, I think Wheeler and Shifley, it was so much about those two uh, with this club um, for a long time. I sort of think that in some way that needs to change. I mean, you need to sort of hand the baton off to some of these other players and have them in those roles. And the only move that I can really see that, you know, accomplishes a number of that with the potential of not taking a huge step back, um, you know, is a trade around Mark Shifley. And then the other side of things, and this is just my perspective, I've been saying this all along from a Jets perspective, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already asked for a trade. I mean, look at him in his season this year. I mean, is there a guy in this league that needs a change of scenery more than him? I'm not sure. So to be honest, I think it might be mutually beneficial for all parties involved. But uh, I said 60 last week on the show. I'm not going the other way, to be honest with you. I think it's more likely today than it was then. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree with that too, especially if there's no management changes, right? Like if somebody else comes in, maybe they have a different view and, and want to keep you know, even with his flaws, a point of game centerman. Yeah, 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 exactly. Want, want to get a crack. You know what? The old thing, make it again. Yeah, well, as I said, I think there'll be a change. I would be, I still would say, again, if we're going to be putting percentages on it, I think the percentage of moving on from Chevy, I think is still low. Some people will say it should happen regardless, but I don't think that will. And, and listen, th those guys have been watching every single one of these games. They've got more of a pulse on the club than any of us. They're closer to it. And I think if we're all thinking this way, I think that they might be even more along down that road, realizing that something needs to change. And uh, the other thing is, if you don't do it, then you've got a guy with one year, con year left on his deal. It's going to be 31 when it's done. Are you going to make a massive investment with, you know, you only have so many players to play that top dollar. Are you going to do that to Mark Schleifle at 31? I don't think so. So, I mean, I really do think that it adds up. I mean, it's not an easy trade to make, and there's certainly a lot of risk involved. Um, but big changes are going to happen some way or the other. I mean, to me, that's the one that makes the most sense. I think it can change things in a number of different ways. And the bottom line is, I think the value of that player and that contract um, could bring back some significant capital back to the club that can hopefully get this thing going in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, if, if Chevy is back and, and, and if a Shapley trade eventually does happen, you know, obviously dependent on the return to a degree. But I, I think I, I'd be OK with it, knowing that I think management looks then realizes, you know what, this was just a point of no return. Right. Like we, we just couldn't. We couldn't move forward with this and a coaching change wasn't going to be enough. Uh, maybe, maybe enough as a motivational tool. I would understand that. But I think there also needs to be a bit of a, an understanding that the, the Jets are likely going to, in a vacuum, lose that trade. Right? Like, I don't know if they're going to get somebody back as valuable as Mark Shifley in that trade. Maybe the team as a whole improves just because of intangibles and and different things like that but you're you're probably going to lose that trade so that's obviously the massive risk that you talked about but i'd like to see what's out there i i i'm you know and I, i'm probably going to do a deeper dive into this once the season officially wraps up just to see the potential names and assets that could be coming back and, and you know to your earlier point i wouldn't be surprised if a few players on the jets asked for as for trades as the season is kind of winded down here but you know i have heard from someone i know that's fairly reputable um that the philadelphia flyers might be in the mix for a mark shifley 
And oh yeah, that's exactly what we're. That's what I want to hear right now. Yeah. Get yeah. the Flyers on the horn immediately because <laughs> all. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this. Oh. You, you want to win a trade? Call Philly. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> tough but fair. Tough but fair. But and I brought this up on 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 one of my one of my episodes of Skates and Plates. But you know, coincidentally, Ivan Provorov is another player that apparently might need a change of scenery. Coincidentally, they both make roughly the same amount of money. Maybe there's the potential for the basis of it. I, I don't know what gets thrown in and, and all that sort of stuff, but I, I would just keep that in mind if I was a Jets fan. If you're, if you're looking at you know where we could potentially see a big move to be made and, and who could be involved, just, just keep that one in the back pocket because we all know GMs love to use the excuse, oh, it's a, it's a hard cap world, dollar in, dollar out. Well, potential number one defenseman, potential number one center, making the same money. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with I mean, I've always said that if I was making that deal, I'd want to do whatever I could to get someone that could play in the middle and maybe not score at the level of Shifley, but you know, that you could put in like I just if Cole Perfetti was obviously ready to play center in the top six right now for the National Hockey League, I think I'd probably be more along that lines. Or if the Winnipeg Jets had some more like if you look at the moose right now, Brandon, and it's sort of I ironic that, you know, what happened last summer with you know adding two veteran defensemen with term at a total of 10 million bucks is that you know it was supposed to make this team ready to compete right now well that didn't happen and it also ended up being a roadblock for a number of talented young players to get onto the blue line so while in theory something like that does make sense i mean you'd want a good young player that's either signed or with the ability to sign long term um you know if you're coming back and trading such an important piece like Shif, but at the same time, right now for Winnipeg, um, adding to the blue line, uh, it, it, if anything, they need to subtract from the blue line, yeah. be able to move some of that cap distribution to the forward group and hopefully get a little bit more. Because one of the most puzzling things about this Winnipeg Jets team this year has been the issues they've had scoring goals so many nights. I mean, you know, we know the talent's there. And I mean, it's a head scratcher because you look at the season that Connors had and you look at the season that Ehlers has had and even Shifley and Wheeler are right around a point a game. And then you look at, you know, what they've done compared to what they've created has not, has not added up. And I mean, there's like 35 games where they scored two goals or le uh, less and they've won three of those games over the entire season. So, um, you know, it, it is quite a predicament for a general manager to yeah. try to, to make that happen. And listen, we can talk about it all we want. It's not easy to do it, do it right, and to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's not a lot of teams that want to give up, you know, young, cost-effective centermen. You know, even, even for a guy like Mark Shifley, right? So it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the fit yet. And it, it might be one of those surprise teams that kind of comes out of nowhere. But, you know, a similar way that Vegas seemed to come out, out of nowhere and the Jack Eichel sweepstakes and, and find a way to make it work. And then there's that side of it too. Like, do you make a trade with futures involved and do you try to flip those or do the jets go into a rebuild? You know, if you trade Shifley for futures, does Connor Hellebuck look at you and say, Hey, I got two years left too. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to play, you know, 79 more games for a team that might sneak into the playoff. Right? Like there's, there's a lot of potential dominoes that could fall just based off of moving one big piece like that. So It'll be very fascinating to see what happens. I think the one thing, the one bit of certainty we all have is that there's there's going to be at least one 
monster move, right? Like I just, I can't imagine, you know, even if Shifley stays, for example, that the, that the Jets don't make a significant move at some point in their lineup to to alter the makeup and the composition of this team at, at the very least, because you can't just, you know, hope for the Calgary best case scenario, a new coach comes in and, and this team finds a way to make it happen. I, I, I just, I think for me, that ship has sailed. This group of players has shown that, you know what, they don't really deserve the benefit of the doubt, maybe the same way that the Flames did. Well, here, and you know, okay, here's that, a great question. Although, you know what, to be honest, dude, I mean, I, you know, as I was on Sportsnet all last summer with Steinberg having this same conversation. And I mean, there wasn't a lot of people, there, uh, the amount of fans that would call into the show or that would reach out to us saying, hey, you know what, this is a little, like, I know this was an incredibly disappointing season and they just managed to miss the playoffs in the freaking Canadian division. There wasn't a lot of people saying, you know what, just give Sutter another year and we'll see what happens and we're going to get. Like, no one was saying that at all. But listen, back to the Jets, to your point, and I firmly agree. I mean, there will be a significant core-changing move. If it's not Mark Shifley, who is it? Because, you know, some people will say Blake Wheeler. I mean, easier said than done. First of all, there's the contract, there's the age, there's the no-move deal. I mean, all of that. Like, I, The bottom line is if you're making some sort of a deal like that, I think you're losing more from a guy, regardless of, you know, being the captain and all that things. And we talked about the core. He certainly is the core, the leader of the core. But, um, you, you, listen, you're not getting anything back in that deal, even if you're able right. to make it close to Mark Shifley. And if it's not Mark Shifley, you're going to trade Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, to me, that's a complete non-starter. And once you get past that group, I don't think there's any impactful move that we'd really be talking about. Yeah, there's there's 31 teams out there that are like, yeah, yeah, you trade Nikolai Ehlers. That's yeah. what you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been the problem all along. It's the Dane's fault. You know, it's when you frame it that way, there really is only one one guy, isn't it? And like I, I guess if it if it isn't going to be Shifley, you you would have to say Wheeler, right? Because Josh Morrissey is the only other guy that I, I think you would look at as a part of the leadership group over the past few years, and he's had his best season in, in in season, right? Like he's been tremendous this season, and there's there's really no benefit, in my opinion, to to move a guy like like that out of the way. He he seems to be pretty integral, and I, I don't think the Jets have any interest whatsoever in moving him. So. Well, you know, and then listening to Wheeler today, listening to Wheeler today speak, and I'm not sure whether you caught all of it. I know you had a busy day earlier on. Um, but, you know, he was sort of putting it on, you know, on himself, you know, as a leader, as the captain, you know, I mean, I've tried to create a culture and that to me, this culture next year is going to be about the team, not as much coming from Paul Maurice or the captain of the team and letting people know what it is. I mean, I think they really have to build something as a group and, Listen, Shifley and Wheeler have been the guys for a long time, and I know Josh Morrissey's had an A, and he's stepped up big time and said many of the things that have needed to be said. And certainly over the last couple of weeks, it was almost like he was the team's spokesman. Uh, I think he's earned a lot of respect from people within the team, the organization, not that he could maybe get much more considering what he'd been through. So, I mean, I think that's a complete non-starter when, when it comes to, uh, comes to, it comes to him. But... Like the whole thing with a, with a possible Wheeler deal, as I said, there's the no move. There's a bunch of things that would prevent it from happening um, if he didn't want to. And even if he did, I mean, finding a taker for that deal, what are you getting back? I mean, you're probably eating some of the salary. I mean, I, I don't know that that really changes much in here. However, Mark Shifley with the spot that he has taken with this club as the number one center, getting the most ice time, the go-to guy for everything. 
if all of a sudden he's out, regardless of what pieces that are coming in that you hope will help, him leaving immediately elevates Dubois, Connor, uh, Nikolai Ehlers to to roles where not only are they, you know, near the top of the lineup, but I think sort of expected to be, you know, accountable for such as well. And I, I, I think there's a psychological side to a deal like that, that, you know, I think uplifts maybe some other players, puts them in positions where I think they're ready for. And I think that can also help the team be a better team overall next season. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the Minnesota side of things that we've talked about before, where it's it's addition by subtraction, in a sense. And and maybe it's not a coincidence either that we've heard Ehlers and Connor speak up with, with Mark Schreifley not in the lineup because of injury. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But there, there, there's just no, there's no doubt, and there's no other way, especially with a fan base that you know has been so loyal to True North, right? Like they've, you know, if you look, and and I get it's not maybe as simple as comparing them to every other franchise in the NHL, but been here for just over 10 years now and and really only one playoff run of any significance right like that that, and for the fan base to be packing the stands pretty much damn near every night you know they i i just i wonder too how much how much jets fans would buy the same group of players coming back next year oh listen that's a huge part of it they and to be honest they might love dave lowry and think that dave lowry is the coach that actually could be that guy and listen i guess you know, if you're willing to if you're willing to take the losses or whatever, you could run that back. But I mean, it just comes back to this season being so disappointing. I don't know how they possibly sell that in a year where for the first time in a long time, they actually do have to do some selling, as we've seen with the commercials, you know, people trying to, you know, hey, folks, if you haven't had season tickets before, get on board. I mean, they have a need to do that. It's not just automatic open the door and see 15,000 in the building. And I don't think there's any doubt that that fact that's not an opinion. That is a fact right now that they have to do a lot of work, um, you know, might force them maybe to be a little bit more aggressive on some of these changes than maybe they've done in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really think on top of it all, maybe an underrated storyline going into all this is the fact that, you know, you, you mentioned Shifley two years left on the deal. You, you got to make a move at some point and, and decide the future of the team. But I mean, the same in, in, in a different sense is, Finding a way to <laughs> make Connor Hellebuck happy too in this, right? Like if we we know how insanely competitive he is, and I just don't think he's going to sign up for seventy plus games next season and and winning fifty percent of them. You know what I mean? Like he he wants to be in an environment where he's competitive and and winning a ton of games and potentially carrying a team to a deep playoff run. And and obviously they're nowhere near that this season. So I I think that's. That's something that needs to be on the minds of management as well is like, man, we got a Vesna goalie here. We got him on a sweetheart deal for two more seasons. If we're not taking advantage of this, then, hey, it might be a a difficult move to sell, but we might have to think about potentially moving on from that. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a there's a number of different avenues this offseason could go and, and it could. It could be win now. It could be rebuild. It could be re right. Like it's it's very intriguing how it's almost this choose your own adventure story that Jets management is going to have to navigate. But damn, there, there's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall based off of one big move and then a couple big moves. And we've even talked about, you know, a coaching staff, like what a new coaching staff would look like and who some of the names would be and how that could influence who potentially comes in for personnel next year too. Well, you know, it's a great question. And that's something I really, I mean, 
you know, it's easy to look at guys that have connections to the organization that have been coaches before. I mean, uh, certainly Elaine Vigneault is a former Moose coach. We've heard the name Pascal Vincent. Um, I mean, Scott Arneal is an interesting guy in that, you know, I, I often think back to, you know, Bill Belichick, and I'm not comparing Arnie to Bill Belichick. Please don't, before you go crazy in the chat. But, um, you know, he got his opportunity as a head coach very young um, for, um, you know, an expansion team. Well, no, they were an expansion team, but for a very bad team at yeah. the time, it didn't go well. Um, and, and I think I remember talking to him afterwards and, uh, you know, he said something to the extent of, you know, when you go in and you think that you're starting off and you think that you have the answers and once you're done, you realize when you started, you didn't even know the questions, <laughs> never mind the answers. So, you know, to have that experience and then to work for a number of very successful coaches like Peter Laviolette right now in Washington, um, you know, that might be a guy that, you know, that has the connections, but I'm all for, I mean, if they're really going to say, okay, listen, we are going to bring in a new staff. I mean, I think you have a wide net. I mean, uh, and the reason why we hear those names is they're just logical choices of people that have connections. And that's often how the hockey world works. But I would say considering the, uh, the task at hand for the organization to try to make a big step forward and move on from a lot of things that have maybe been building over a few years, um, you know, maybe thinking outside of the box a little bit and at least considering some people that wouldn't be, you know, on the tips of everyone's tongue in the chat might be wise for the team to do. Yeah, because, you know, in theory, if you're an organization, you're you're only doing this process, you know, once every 10 years. Right. So do whatever it takes. Talk to as many people as possible and get it right one time. And you don't have to worry about doing it three, four five years down the road. I mean, my I'll, I'll tell you what my checklist is for the next head coach of the winnipeg jets do you have ties to true north and the winnipeg jets either 1.0 or 2.0 if the answer is no you're on the list you got a chance of getting that that's really it like and, and giving them the freedom to pick their own coaching staff i think that's that's the main thing i i think it's foolhardy for anybody to look at any potential coaching candidate and kind of you know give them an axe based on on where they worked with previously just because if you look at the top coaches in the NHL right now, you know, when they were first hired, none of them, I, I, you know, as far as I remember, were considered these and miss slam dunk candidates, right? Like John Cooper was a freaking lawyer who's coaching in the AHL. Who would have thought that he'd be arguably the best coach in the NHL? You have anybody remember Jared Bender's first year in the NHL? They thought he was one and done. <laughs> this guy's that was, that done. was historically bad team. I mean, one of the worst teams yep. that we have seen in the overtime shootout point era. And yep. I got to give Joe Sackick a ton of credit for sticking with him after that miserable season. And the fact that he's there now still on the bench as this team is the Stanley Cup favorite um, maybe does speak to giving a little bit more chance of a rope or remembering why you hired a guy despite the fact of everything had around. I mean, certainly there was a lot more wrong with that Colorado Avalanche team in that first season than what was happening on the bench. But it looked like a complete disaster. And that is tough to sell going back the next year yeah. to a fan base. Yeah, and you have, you know, Bruce Cassidy was kind of a surprise hire in Boston when he flamed out pretty spectacularly in Washington. Uh, I mean, there even Craig Berube was St. Louis, right? Like, Berube was, he was awful in Philly, which, you know, apparently is more of a Philly thing than a, than a Craig, right? But, like, it's it's so tough to figure out which coach is a good fit and which one just, you know, maybe isn't a great head coach with the way today's NHL is. It's, it's so hard to really handicap that. So I, I'm not even necessarily going to throw in a name out there. It's just, there just needs to be some major, major fresh blood brought in 
at a totally new vantage point. Like that, that's the main thing to me. Although I will say if Breeze Boudreaux is available, find a way to make him the head coaching hire because hundred point season is basically the floor when you're talking about a Bruce Boudreau coach team. So I, I got no problem with Brucey coming in. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up Boudreaux right now, because of course we'd heard the rumors that, you know, Maurice has a long relationship with Jim Rutherford and, you know, there was the potential that Maurice would be that guy. And I don't know whether the current Canucks uh, want to have anything to do with that right now, because you're showing what they're doing. And I know they lost in a shootout or overtime or whatever to Ottawa on their six Oh and one in their last seven. But when you look at where the Canucks and Jets were two, three yeah. weeks ago and look at what's happened to the Jets compared to the fight that the Canucks are showing in night in and night out, um, it just goes to show you how far things have fallen here. And it's not from a talent perspective yeah. at all. I'll put the Jets up against the Canucks all day, every day when it comes to the pieces. Um, but credit where credit is due. Bruce Boudreaux is doing a hell of a job getting the most out of that team right now. And uh, listen, even if they fall just short, I don't know how in the world you don't run it back with Bruce. And I believe they only have to commit to one more year. I think it was a year plus an option from what I read in Pierre Lebrun's column earlier today. So it's not like you're making a decision yeah. whether you're getting a new guy or you're giving him a four or five year deal. I mean, you have a bit of a cushion built in. So I kind of don't see that happening. And maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe Maurice will get back to the media and be on a panel somewhere because I mean, I think we could all sign up for that. Hearing Maurice yeah. maybe speak, you know, honestly, without having any skin in the game with any teams, uh, we would all be the beneficiaries of that because I do miss listening to him talk. Um, however, uh, bottom line is what's happened with this team hasn't changed. I don't think there's any way that they can run back with Dave Lowry and say, fans, this is going to be different this year. We're going to be the Calgary Flames of next season. Um, there will definitely be a showy uh, element to the fan base if that is the case. But as I said, I don't think. I think this is going to be the most um, uh, tumultuous might not be. It'll certainly be the most interesting, and I think it'll be the most significant offseason we've seen in a long time. Because as you mentioned, Brandon, you've got two more years of Wheeler, two more years of Hellebuck, three more years of Ehlers, four more years of Kyle Connor, uh, and potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, an extension to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois here long-term. I mean, those are sort of your guys you're hoping to add to that. Um, and this just circling back to Mark Shifley, I mean, if this organization doesn't think that they are going to be in the Mark Shifley business long-term, I mean, to me, it's not waiting another season. I mean, it's now to do it because both people, what the return does, what the what his absence from the club will do for other players being able to fill sort of that role, get more opportunities when it comes to ice time, all those things. Um, and again, bring back some significant return because I said two years left is a lot different than one year left on an expiring contract. Yeah, and, and I think going into this season, it, it looked like, you know, all the stars were aligning for, for Chevy looking at this team as if they're in a two-year window, right? Like the, the, we have... Essentially, the end of Shifley Hellebuck Wheeler's contracts. This is going to be our our contention. We're going to you know semi push all our chips in here, and that's what we saw with the Dylan and Schmidt trades. And I'll be really interested to see if if there's a double down on that, or or maybe a back off, or even a retool of of that plan. Because you know it's 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 pretty insane that not even twelve months into that plan, they're going to have to do a complete redo of it, right? Like they're I, and I wonder. If it just speaks to, you know, frankly, what a disaster this yeah. season was. Yep, I mean, exactly. You know, it's one thing if you had a team, you know, like if if the if the 2011 2012 Jets came up and put up 88 points, we'd be sitting there, this is great. This team's going in the right direction. 
but it's not 10 years ago. I mean, we've been going through this. We've seen the team grow. We know how good many of the players are. And when you see what the finished product and the bottom line is the results of this team, it's very hard to make any other argument that some significant changes need to be made. And I really don't think that there's a lot of press back anymore. I think the organization is at, is fully realized that. And what's going on now is the audit of, okay, what makes the most sense to go forward and what changes we can make will help us the most within that window, as you mentioned, because we're not talking about five and six years because of the way this roster is composed right now with some of the key players and what they have remaining on their deals. Yeah. And, you know, on top of it, too, you know, I, I know Connor and Ehlers and Dubois are young ish, but they're not they're not that young. Right. Like, you know, there's there's the new, I guess, bit of information that forwards generally peak around like 23, 24, 25. Right. And and that's I mean, Nick Ehlers is already past that, I think. Right. And then Kyle Connor, this might be the best Kyle Connor we ever see. He hey, next year he could be a 50 50 guy. But there's a chance, too, that, you know, not that he regresses or anything, but that there's maybe a bit of a plateau in his game, right? So there, there is still a bit of urgency, I think, too, even with, you know, hopeful improvement from guys like Ehlers, Dubois, and Connor. But you have to also look into it and say, yeah, we, we got to figure this thing out pretty quickly here because if we want to contend with these guys, you know, now now's the time to find a way to do it. So I, I, I'm just fascinated to see what happens here because – for me, this has been the worst season in Jets 2.0 history. It's not the worst team, but it's been the worst season. And honestly, the most fun I've had watching the Jets play in the last two months was Wednesday night's game against the Rangers because my Shaw went out and I didn't have to watch the game. <laughs> I could just follow it on Twitter. That, that was that was the most fun I've had watching a game in, in in a few months. So I think I think everyone's just in burnout mode, right? Like it's just let's get through these final few games. We'll get an absolutely, I think insanely revealing postseason press conference exit meetings with the with the general manager and, and some of the players as well and then and then it just it's going to be a wild wild ride for those first few weeks once the stanley cup is awarded you know i laugh i laugh when i think about you all the time because i mean we're looking at this jets team and you know the record itself is it's mediocre i mean it's not we'll put it this way it's not 23 43 and 11 and I think you know why I yeah. picked out those numbers. Um, this Philly season, I mean, you want to talk about how things have gone bad for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I, I, listen, I don't follow it daily like you do, but that, like, when we talk about seasons that are a disaster, there's that, and then there's what happened to the Flyers this year. And I mean, they, I don't want to, I, I'd never like to say people have just completely quit. But, I mean, seeing them give up a nine spot the other day, the players that are out, I mean, we, we think about the things that are miserable around this team right now here in Winnipeg. I mean, that season in Philly is an all-timer, Brandon. And, um, you know, the Jets aren't the only one that have major, major yeah. work to do in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, it, it could always be worse. It could always be orange and black instead of what's gone on in Winnipeg this year. Yeah, like, you know, the, I, I've kind of forgot already that you know, the Flyers ended Keith Yandel's Iron Man streak, and that's not even going to be in the bottom 10 lowlights of the season, right? Like, that's just like kind of a pass. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We ruined his streak. That's not a big deal. There's just been so much other garbage, and it's it's not ending anytime soon. And honestly, the most the most terrifying part, I think, is that management seems to be deluded enough to think that, hey, we just retool this thing. We'll be right back in the next season. And that's that's always the scariest part. I, I think I've at least come to the slow realization that the Flyers have officially become the laughingstock of the NHL. 
I, I just don't think anyone comes close because there's bad teams, but at least a lot of the bad teams know they're bad. It's the worst when you're a bad team that thinks you're good. And I, it's just going to be, a, a unless some kind of miracle happens that I, I, I have no idea. I, it's just going to be, it's going to be a long, long off season. And I think, I think it's going to be a long next season too. I'm not. I'm not extremely hopeful that the Flyers can turn this thing around. And the craziest part is they had decent goaltending this year. But there's one thing. Hey, you know what? We couldn't get a. We couldn't get a stop for the 50th year in a row. But but Carter Hart for four or five months was giving them solid goaltending, and that was only good enough to put them at 30th in the NHL. Hey, listen, just quickly before we go, moving away from the teams that won't be participating in the uh, in the playoffs. Yes, it's really good for all of us. <laughs> Looking ahead to the playoffs, I mean, is there is there a potential first round season, uh, first round series that's sort of standing out to you that you're particularly excited for? I mean, to me, there is a whole bunch. Of, I mean, the Minnesota Blues series, I think, is going to be unbelievable. And however things finish up in that Atlantic, I mean, if the Leafs are playing the Lightning, the Leafs are playing the Boston Bruins. Um, the Panthers playing one of those teams, although it could very well be, I mean, probably either Pittsburgh or Washington there. I mean, the first round this season, it, at least uh, it's shaping up to be as good as I can remember of just incredible matchups where you can make a compelling case for either team to make it through. And there's a bunch of those teams that will lose in the first round that you could actually yeah. see winning the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the to answer your question, there's only one right answer, and it's Maple Leafs versus whoever. It doesn't even matter who it is, right? Like Boston, the rivalry, and the fact that they'll choke against the Bruins again. The Lightning, which I actually think is a decent, like matchup-wise and stylistically, I think that might be the Leafs' best chance of, of slaying their first-round curse. But unfortunately, it, it, it's going up against the, the back-to-back champions. And then maybe even the Florida Panthers, too, if it plays out that way. And the Panthers are putting up they're putting up touchdowns. They're like a they're like a low-scoring CFL team right now. Like they're they're putting up five, six, seven goals a night, it seems. It's it's got to be whoever the Leafs play, because just the 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 narrative and the amount of pressure <laughs> that is going out there in Toronto, and that's the fun part about this too, is that they could play extremely well. Like they could have like an A minus series, for example, and everything. A, a, you know, Matthew scores five goals in seven games. Marner has ten points in seven games, and they could lose, and then it's right back to their chokers all over again, just because. The Atlantic is an absolute bloodbath this season. So it's it's 100% whoever the Leafs play, but the Wild Blue series if you're like if you're into UFC and, and stuff like that and you're all about the physical like that that's a back that's a back alley brawl. Like that's going to be a fun I'm I'm looking forward to watching that one. And I think I think my bold playoff prediction right now is going to be that if Minnesota takes down St. Louis that they take down Colorado. I think wow. I it, there's just there's this weird history in the NHL where when teams have as good of a season as the Avs are, <laughs> for some reason they find a way to flame out in the first two rounds. I don't know why that is, but we saw with Tampa Bay a few seasons ago, <laughs> Minnesota pushed them to seven games just just oh, yeah. right and and the Wild weren't as good then as they are now. I I don't think as good as even though for me Colorado is head and shoulders the best team in the NHL. I don't think I'm going to pick them to come out of the West this year. Well, it's interesting. And I mean, Florida and Colorado both have 116 points right now. And I mean, you could say the same thing about the Panthers. I mean, they're going to have incredible out. And here's just finally before we go. Um, and I'll tell you what, the Jets could do themselves a favor, the organization at least, a favor tonight with a win. Uh, this totally caught me off right? guard. 
But the Rangers, with that win against the Jets, their 50th of the season, are actually tied with the Canes at the top of the Metropolitan Division. And I can tell you that if they were able to get into the one spot and play one of the wildcard teams, um, it might give them home ice as well. Bottom line is, we want to see them win two rounds and turn that yep. second rounder into a first. But <laughs> listen, there's going to be a heck, a heck of a lot of fun stuff to do that. Listen, this is a great chat, dude. We covered a lot. Um, and we could probably roll for another hour doing it if we want. I mean, no shortage of topics around these teams. We'll have lots of time to do as we head into the offseason. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, keep up the great work over on Skates and Plates. Keep on churning and cranking them out. Thanks. I appreciate it, man. I'm actually I'm going to be at the Winnipeg Jets game next week. It's like the second or third game I've seen as a fan in person since since the Jets moved here. Let me guess. That's the big game against Philly. Yeah. The big yeah. game. Against yeah, Philly. yeah, huge, huge <laughs> game. Ton, ton on the line in that one. So I, I picked a beauty, right? I, I don't go to too many, but yeah, why not watch? Let's see if the Flyers can crack the 50 point plateau this season. It's exciting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, buddy. Awesome. Have a good one. Great stuff. There it is, Brandon Wiki. Make sure to check out Skates and Plates wherever you're getting your uh, your favorite podcast. We'll get Remus back in here in just a second. They're going to be hooking up with our friends over at Canadian Club right after the show today. Of course, we've got some great Canadian Club hoodies. In fact, I think I'm wearing one right now. Little WST. This is the... Uh, this is the Winnipeg Sports Talk version of the Masters Green Jacket, and uh, you can win that tomorrow in our marbles race. And, uh, of course, if you're out at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, check out the amazing new ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. Uh, also available at beer stores around the city. And uh, if you are in a Manitoba Liquor Marts, uh, big displays at 26 of the biggest ones this month where you get a free can of CC and Ginger with any Canadian club purchase and make sure to check out the 1750 MLs are on sale all month long. Uh, our friends at Princess Auto are sponsoring the Grey Cup Tour around Manitoba and coming up this weekend, you'll have a chance in the city to see both of the, to see the Grey Cup at both of the princess auto location so on saturday from nine to one the gray cup's going to be at the 515 panet road store and on sunday april 24th the gray cup will be at the west side store at 3292 portage avenue so bring the kids out get some pictures with the gray cup before the bombers get ready to run it back and of course princess auto going to be the sponsor of the bombers pregame tailgate coming up all season long um what do we want to say? Oh, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. BostonPizza.com is where you can get all those great game day deals and order online for home delivery. If you're heading out for the game tonight, one more final road game to get together with your friends. No better place to do that than your local Boston Pizza. And heck, it looks like it's going to be another terrible weekend. Hopefully we're not going to get all this snow. Luckily, we won't be talking blizzards. The only blizzards we're talking around here is blizzards from the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. For all of you burger lovers, if you haven't tried the new DQ Stack Burgers, get on it. What are you waiting for? And at, listen, right near the top of the game in the entire fast food industry now with the incredible improvements. I already love DQ Burgers. Couldn't believe they could get much better. Well, they did. And of course, you can grab a blizzard while you're at your local Nick and Nicky. And all three Winnipeg locations now available for delivery on all of the delivery apps. 
All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remo, man, we hit a lot with uh, Brandon there. But, you know, I think this sort of speaks to, you know, where we're at in this season. I mean, we're obviously not talking very much about the game tonight or talking about the games next week. But, I mean, so many angles to this upcoming offseason. And uh, as we've heard from the players, including the captain earlier today, pretty clear that I think everyone is expecting and hoping significant changes to avoid these same sort of conversations on this program 12 months from now. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be doing. Hopefully this is a one-off and they can figure out how to have a competitive team next year. Um, as Brandon said, he had more entertaining time reading Twitter than watching watching the game, if I that's correct. Um, I'll be well, watching. the funny thing was, yeah. that game was a heck of a lot better as a team performance than uh, the games on the, on, the, on the weekend in yes. Florida. I mean, I had no issue with the way the Jets played. I kind of thought they showed fight. That's exactly, that's all I'm hoping for from these games. I mean, hey, I'm pumped that Dylan Sandberg's going to get back into the lineup, give him a little bit more experience and show what he can do, get him a little bit more comfortable at the NHL level. But other than that, like Blake Wheeler said, you know, maintain, show that you guys have some self-respect, play for the fans uh, that are going to be there at those games next week. And uh, as Kyle Connor said, hopefully accept where you are right now and start working on building what this team needs to build going into next season. And don't wait for next season to do it. Start it right now. Every shift for the guys that are in those lineups in, uh, in Dave Lowry's five games before the end of the season. Yeah, and as we said, I think the, um, the comments that we're hearing from the players have been maybe more entertaining than the games. Although, yeah, that, I thought the last game was solid. It, it reminded me of some of the games from January, but you know they did played well, but didn't score enough goals and and didn't win. So uh, it was a disappointing result. Uh, again, tough test tonight against Carolina, you know, top team. Uh, Comrie's in net. Sandberg, as you said, in. I, I hope Sandberg gets some games. You know, he's played played pretty well. I don't think he deserved to come out. And um, we'll have to wait and see what happens going forward. Dave Lowry's saying, you know, they're not looking to audition anyone. I'm not sure what to make of that. You'd like to see some young guys get in the lineup, but... You know, maybe the Moose are trying to get ready to make a make a run here. So, uh, we'll I guess we'll you know they say one thing and then people get hurt, things change. We'll we'll see what happens uh, when they return. They are playing, yeah, Philly. I'll be at that Philly game too next week. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> you know I remember I remember with my pal Murray, we were picking our seats at the uh, at the beginning of the season and. You know, I've got half the season upstairs and then I've got a quarter of the season in some really nice seats, lower bowl that we go together and we were picking the games and, you know, we made a point of getting those final two games or what were supposed to be the final two games of the season, the Calgary game and the Philly game. We thought those could absolutely be very important games or you're getting ready for the playoffs and, you know, it's a real fun atmosphere. Never in a million years did I think that those would be absolute nothing games at the end of the year, but that's exactly what they are. And, um, and we've sort of known that was going to be the case for a while. That being said, one more on the road tonight. Jets taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Let's take a quick look at the cool bet lines for tonight. Jets, another big underdog on the road today. No surprise. Eric Comrie getting the start. Jets plus 225 on the money line. And the Carolina Hurricanes minus 278. Florida, massive minus 588 money line. I can't remember a line that high. Maybe ever. Uh, they're taking on Detroit. Uh, the Habs favored it for a change. They're well. They're hosting the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Devils at home favorite against the Buffalo Sabers. I'll be taking Buffalo plus one fifteen. Uh, Pittsburgh minus one eighteen at home against the Bruins. Big game for both of those teams jockeying for playoff position. 
and the Rangers look to maybe pull ahead of the Hurricanes, depending on what the Jets can do tonight. Minus 130 in New York to take on the Islanders. Uh, the Wild minus 182 against the Canucks. Must-win game for Vancouver. Uh, Leafs lightning tonight. That could very well be a little playoff preview. That one's happening down in South Florida. Minus 128 for the lightning. And the Dallas Stars in Calgary to take on the Flames. Vegas, big, big Calgary fans tonight. Uh, Dallas plus 180 on the road. Kings minus 256. They need that win against the Blackhawks and the Blues and Sharks in the final game. Blues, big, big favorites. Uh, yeah, Dal speaking of Vegas, just before we go, I don't know if you caught that game last night. Peter DeBoer and how he's handling the goaltenders is very, well, put it this way. It shows one thing. They do not trust Robin Lehner at all. Lehner was terrible in the game against New Jersey, had those two bad goals in the third period in that 3-2 loss. Led in a goal in the first period. It was 1-1. Led another one in that they challenged offside successfully, and then they went to Logan Gordon in the second period. So uh, essentially a guy, or Logan Thompson, excuse me, Logan Gordon's my old buddy from Sports at 960 in Calgary. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, listen, they're basically going with a guy that was in the American Hockey League at the start of the year. I mean, for all the expenditures that the Vegas Golden Knights have made, their season is essentially hanging on the shoulders of Logan Thompson. It's uh, been a wild, wild season in Vegas. And we've talked about disappointments in Philly and the Jets. It's not done yet for Vegas, but if they do miss the playoffs, it will be stunning. But, I mean, you can't understand some of the things they've been through with all the injuries. Mark Smith Stone's obviously not 100% right now. They haven't got the huge bump they thought they'd from with Jack Eichel. And uh, their season right now, even with that win last night, hanging in the balance. Yeah, I tuned in just to see uh, Shea Theodore uh, score the winner. There were a couple other notes from last night, Huss, we haven't touched on. Alex Ovechkin hit 50 goals. Closing in, closing in, uh, Gordy Howe. He's like, let me pull it up here. He's a couple away. Gretzky's a little over a hundred away. I mean, he by the end of his career, he could be the all-time leading goal scorer. And hard to not to think about where he would be if he didn't have, I don't know, pandemic, shortened season, lockouts, a couple lockouts. I think being born too early or too late for his draft year. Um, yes, seven eighty career goals, twenty-two to pass Howe, hundred fifty and fifty this year still. Going strong. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes celebrated Andrew Ladd's 1,000th game last night. Remember him? Former Jets captain. Got to give a I shout do remember out him. to Andrew. I know all the hoopla we had of Wheeler's 1,000th game and then Paul Stasny's. I really didn't. This was off my radar, I guess, because it's the Coyotes. Um, well, listen, I'm happy for Andrew Ladd that he was mm -hmm. able to get to 1,000, to be yeah. honest. I mean, that, listen, that contract that they signed to him to in New York, um, Hey, listen, they signed the deal, but, you know, whether it was through injury, through regression or what, um, you know, the fact that he's toiling, you know, as a guy taking up cap space for the worst team or one of the worst teams in the league that's going to be moving to a junior hockey rink next year, um, for a guy that, you know, has won the cup and was such a big part of the Winnipeg, of the Winnipeg Jets starting here, it is sort of a sad end, but to be honest, he was in the American Hockey League last year, so I guess it's better than uh, better than that. Bottom line is, guy was a big part of this team for about half of his NHL career, and uh, I know there are a lot of people that will wish him well for uh, getting to 1,000. For sure. First uh, first captain here. He's on the, uh, the playoff squad as well. I remember watching. Andrew Ladd scored. He was very good at scoring goals in tight. A lot of them. All of them were very, uh, very similar. So, and Stanley Cup champion with the Blackhawks and Hurricanes, a thousand game. I, and I agree. A couple of years ago, he was not in 
the NHL battling injuries. So that was that was last night. Uh, a couple things here. Uh, this has been floating around. I'll get to Mike Tyson. Okay. <laughs> but um, Arizona Coyotes, lots being made of their new arena. This was posted out there. Season ticket prices for next year. I think it was the Earl of Eli that fired yeah. this one out. Our boy well, Dan Milburn and a lot of people were picking it up and uh, doing the uh, proverbial quote tweet on this one with a hot take. The Bleacher Report tweeted, Greg Wyshynski has it. I don't know what to make of this. I'm still holding out hope that they have a month to decide, you know, I'll just go to Houston or... To move the team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kansas like, City, I, nice rink. There you a, go, Central okay. Division. Yeah, KC or Houston seems like it would be a great fit. I don't know how you can go so what, like three fifty a game, lowest eighty nine a game. If you're getting a full season on season tickets, exactly yeah, full season. Like, are people gonna go to this five thousand seat arena? I guess they're counting on people who don't live there, like Canadians who go and like hockey, like all winter or winter people from U.S. Well, they're not buying season tickets. I can tell you that yeah, much. I mean, you know, so. the odd person that's gonna be there. I mean, there are Coyote fans, and I mean, listen, some of them might be like, "Oh, this is gonna be way better than driving out to that dump in Glendale," and you know, the hour, hour and a half it took to get. I mean, it'll be easier for people to get to. Um, but I don't know how you're gonna put on an NHL product in a, a venue like that. How? So we'll wait and see i'm still my fingers are crossed that they don't actually go there's still time to go move them to to houston it's right there they've supported ahl in the past they got they've like here's the question do they sell out next year in that building i mean i would hope so it's like five thousand seats. seat i mean if you don't like what are we doing here so <laughs> exactly dumb. And uh, Greg Wyshynski posted that. He also had a big column he was getting a lot of flack for, saying the NHL should expand their playoffs. Let's fix the point system yes. and the way the playoffs are done before we even talk about that. I know a lot the NBA has had success with play-in games. MLB is expanding playoffs. I don't even... There's a lot of other issues that they need to fix before I would even entertain... I'm not even reading that column, but... Well, that was the funny trending. thing is I did read it and I was going and I always look at this. Okay, well, what about from a Jets perspective? Would this matter? Well, guess what? This we The Jets wouldn't even be in the play-in this year. They're 11th right now. It would be the Canucks in Vegas as of right now playing to play the winner of 7-8 to get in under the NBA at the end of NBA. And just by the way, did you watch the Raptors last night? No, but I know that they oh. lost and Embiid hit a game-winning shot. Joel Embiid was such a stone cold killer last night um the raps you know to their credit i mean they played hard pascal siakam could not sink a basket in the second half fred van vliet um you know had a couple but also missed quite a bit they both just finished with 12 points but the most ridiculous thing of the entire game doc rivers running onto the court past half court in front of nick nurse to call a timeout in the rule book that is a straight up clear black and white technical foul it was a tie game at the end of the fourth quarter. That should have been a Raptor possession and a free throw. And instead, Philly got it. Joel Embiid with the fadeaway three um, was absolute BS. I was beside myself last night, watched every second of the game. And it was just uh, I was gutted for, uh, for that team that's had a great season. I think that's played above their heads. 
but a little bit of revenge for uh, one of the guys that's up for the MVP. It certainly looked like an MVP. Oh, and by the way, speaking of MVP, Karen, Kevin Durant absolutely stunk last night, and the Brooklyn Nets are down 0-2. We could be talking about a round two of the playoffs, Remus, that has no Lakers, no Clippers, and no Brooklyn Nets after all that talk about all those super teams. What? That would be that would be pretty insane. All right, we'll have to wait and see. Go, go, Suns, right? Or they they lost, didn't they? I'm gotta be honest. Uh, they did. They did lose to the Pelicans. Uh, they'll probably win though. Game three, I believe, goes tonight. Uh, and uh, well, actually, I will tell you because we've got the cool bet lines up here. Games tonight in the NBA: Grizzlies and Timberwolves. That one's in the Twin Cities, tied at one. Mavs and Jazz. That one is in Utah, tied at one. And the uh, Warriors up to on the Nuggets, a slight favorite in Denver. And then uh, tomorrow, it'll be the Suns and Pelicans, Bucks, Bulls, Heat, Hawks. And Saturday afternoon, Raptors playing for their playoff lives at home. Saturday afternoon, taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, we do got to get uh, get out, but can we just quickly talk about this Mike Tyson incident on the plane today? Yeah, this is was on TMZ. Um... There's a video of him on a plane. Some guy, like, verbally, I don't know, harassing him over and over again while he's on a flight. In first class, by the way. And Tyson turns around and, I mean, and what? He punched the guy a couple times in the head. He had some cuts. He reacted as one would expect Mike Tyson to react to an idiot badgering him, bothering him, and uh, annoying him from behind on an airline and he deserved every single bit of it if will smith can smack chris rock across the face at the oscars mike tyson can react this way to some jerk off bugging him repeatedly knowing that he's doing it apparently the guy was drunk as well not really surprised i think you'd have to be really intoxicated to try to provoke mike tyson but uh but he did and he's getting absolutely no sympathy anywhere as he shouldn't yeah just like yesterday everyone was on um team Al Saboka, the Red Wings Zamboni driver. Justice think, for Al. I think we're all on Team Tyson here. Um, I mean, look, just because a guy's a celebrity doesn't mean you can harass him. Let the guy enjoy his flight. And Tyson claims the guy threw a water bottle at him. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the pictures on TMZ for those on podcasts we're showing them up. I mean, the face, the after fa- photo where the guy's pointing to his face yeah. is absolutely yeah, he, classic. Let let celebrities live in peace. You don't need to verbally harass them over and over again. So if Tyson, I mean, what's like Christopher Matt says in chat, how dumb do you have to be to heckle Iron Mike Tyson? I mean, you have to have a death wish or just be completely out of your mind loaded, which uh, this guy might be both, to be honest with you. Anyways, the videos are everywhere and go and check that out. Uh, Bring your hot Tyson takes tomorrow to the program. We can have some time in the chat for that. Um, we should get going, though, folks. Um, big thanks to all of our friends, uh, including Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, BP, Boston Pizza, Canadian Club Whiskey, and, of course, Cool Bet Canada. Uh, folks, if you're with us live on YouTube, head on over to the Kenny and Rennie channel. Say what's up from us. Tell them the Winnipeg Sports Talk boys sent you. Enjoy the game tonight. And tomorrow on the program, the return of Westy. We'll get Troy's thoughts on this Jets season. Maybe a little thought on what's to come for the offseason from uh, Westy's world. 
Uh, Ken Weeb's going to join us as well. Talk about a really exciting golf event that's coming to Manitoba this summer. And of course, we'll drop the marbles before 3 p.m. with another chance to win a great prize from Winnipeg Sports Talk and our friends at Canadian Club. One more road game tonight, folks. Eric Comrie in, Dylan Sandberg in. Enjoy it. We'll talk about it tomorrow and get ready for the weekend here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for being with us and have a great night. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.